The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode number 75 of the MXY Show podcast. We are back from the MXGP of Italy for like 12 hours. And now we're going to rehash everything that went on at the historic circuit of Majora. Uh, a lot happened, a lot changed in the title fights. And yeah, we're going to break all of that down over the next two to three hours, maybe longer, because last week's was just never ending. But we'll see. Uh, a lot coming up. We've got Lenzel Performance of the Week predicted. Uh, Leah Ask Vice Anything, Planet Motor Bombshell of the Week, which is provided by a third party for the first time. And Armor You Smarter Than a Birth as well. Uh, obviously, VMX Vice Show is presented by Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, Armor Nutrition, and Blenzel Oils. Part one of VMX Vice Show is presented by Fly Racing. Those of you who watched MXGP TV would have heard Fly Racing's Jason Thomas doing the commentary and mentioning the Watson wagon on TV, which will, I'm sure, be brought up in due course. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of, in of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula helmet has changed the game. Certainly has. It certainly has changed the game. Um, and a lot of riders would attest to that, both in MXGP and around the world. Anyway... With me on the podcast this week, I'm your host, Lewis Phillips. As always now, I'm on episode five of hosting, three. I, it, feels like I've, it feels like I've been a host all along. Like a, it just fits well. But with me is uh, a man who some say had his best performance ever last week. Uh, there was even a tweet yesterday that said, by the way, last week, this man killed it with his story about Caroli. It is V. Underwhelming at times, but sometimes overwhelming. You never quite know. It's James Burfield. How's it going, James? It's good. It's good. You never quite know what you get with me. We also have a fan favorite, it turns out. Uh, it's Tom Neal. How's it going, Tom? Hello. I'm good. And uh, hopefully I am still a fan favorite. Um, yeah, I'm back again. New for this week. I'm gonna, this is how we're going to start a podcast. Maybe this will become a new uh, thing. A new segment I've titled, Have a Word. James, describe the MXGP of Italy in one word. Italian. Okay, okay this segment isn't coming back. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Tom, have a word. Describe the Italian GP in one word. Traditional. That's better than Italian, but I guess Italian is technically correct. <laughs> so, James, what did you think of uh, the Italian GP? Well, um, the track was 
you know, one of my favorite tracks on the calendar easily. However, it again, didn't lend itself to, to lots of lines and stuff like that. But one of the things which I took out from the GP was Guadagini. He's answering a lot of the questions that were, were posed by um, mainly you. And a lot of uh, people who attest to listen to this podcast about uh, whether someone as big as Mattia could um, adapt to the Red Bull or the Red Bull adapt to him. And I'm literally, I'm going to have to cut you off because you're already pissing me off because I corrected you on that last week and you're just completely off base, off, off, just, just got the opinions wrong again. Also, it was interesting after all our... Um, you know, we 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 were really revving up the uh, the geyser, uh, you know, the wheels on the geyser bus, and uh, that that was a a bit of a lackluster um, performance. Oh well, Tom, what do you think of Majora? I thought it was good. It was um, like I said, it was a traditional GP. The track is not um, well; it's an old school type of place in it, like with the big hills, quite narrow. Um, there wasn't as many lines. I think it was still. I don't know if the rain. If they knew, well, they knew the rain was coming, and I don't think the track prep was fully like what they can do. But other than that, I think the racing was okay. It was good. Um, some exciting bits. But yeah, overall, I thought it was quite a good GP. Uh, I strongly disagree. I thought it was very, my have a word, my have a word would be meh. That was what I thought. It was just meh. Yeah, I, I, nothing really happened. There was no real, like, nothing really happened. The rain kind of spiced things up a bit. But even then, nothing really happened. Like, there weren't really passes and there weren't really crashes either. There was just kind of follow the leader, leader, leader. Um, the results were all over the place, though, weren't they? What? The what was all over the place? Like, the results and everything like that. Like, it wasn't just like a, a standard runaway, Jeffrey goes 1 1, like, boring day sort of thing. It was a little bit like. like yeah, three riders finished yeah. on 40 points. Well, yeah, okay, from that point of view... Grand Prix in a while. <laughs> from that point of view, like that's obviously quite exciting. Results got turned on its head. I think the problem was is you need to explain to people why you felt it was very underwhelming at weekend for you because of the stress you got into actually getting to an Italian GP, which we all lived through. I think that, I think that really where it comes from is when I see Prado, Fevra, Caroli, Geyser, Hurlins all start together... I think my expectations go so ridiculously high at that point, and I just presume that we're about to have an absolute mental race where, like, who knows what's going to happen? And then when it turns into follow the leader, I'm like, oh. Because when I see those, when I see the top five like that, I'm like, bloody hell, like, this is unreal. Like, we do not get this. And then it kind of just went nowhere. But no, it was all right. The question would be, though, to put it bluntly, I guess, should Majora continue hosting GPs, Tom? Yeah, I think you need these. I think you need the traditional tracks. Um, we can't have like, it can't, be, it can't be amazing tracks every weekend. It's got to be like, there's some people it'd probably play into their strengths. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the, the, the like staples of the MXGP calendar out there, they've been around that long, that I think just fans and everything like that just appreciate when it goes back there. Yes, it might not be the best. Grand Prix as far as racing-wise and passing-wise and things like that, but yeah, there's 18 or 20 rounds, whatever there is, and they can't all be amazing. James, same question? You've just disgusted me. Majora, just an iconic, awesome track. Great for spectators. Just, I just don't believe it. What is this world coming to when you're trying to get rid of Majora well, and bring in a mall? I'd like to turn your attention to not just me, but a man who goes by the name of 
Antonio Caroli. Um, we spoke about this in the Fly Racing post race podcast on Sunday night. Um, and seeing as I'm guessing once again, you didn't listen, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny, okay. Funny enough. Well, I'll play a little. I'll play a little. Uh, I think it's forty-five seconds clip from that. James, will you listen to it now for me? Yes. Sorry, I'll fo- fully focused. I think uh, you know uh, probably a lot of fans gonna uh, don't like me after the USA, but uh, it's always like this. I think with the bikes we have now, like old school tracks, are not really anymore. Um, uh, in some places. Uh, Helping because uh, you know when it's when it's very hard you know and when it's very tiny track and uh, the bikes are so fast and you cannot really express yourself how you want because you need to stay on the line you need to stay foot on the pegs you cannot uh, invent like like some other lines and stuff and like that so I think uh, uh, tracks like Matterly of course uh, was not prepared as always you know but still you know you have the space you have such a wide track and. Uh, also for safety, I think the bikes uh, it's better because you are, even even if you run out of the track, you have a lot of place you know where you can go. So everybody is giving always a little bit one extra, you know, because it's safer. And here is everybody's like, okay, if I go off the track there, I hit uh, you know this or on that, and uh, it's sketchy on the bumps. Uh, so everybody's more calm on this kind of tracks and it's not good for the spectacular I think I was just talking to Ben Watson about the same thing and he said like he watches the AMA Nationals like Red yeah. Bud and he sees all the lines he sees everyone hanging it out and he's just like how like we need that like, I guess you feel the same yeah I feel the same uh, I really I do the same you know I really enjoy you know watching the the National you know they have such a nice tracks and prepped also very well and uh, you can just uh, be wide open and you know coming from the inside to the outside um, and here uh, okay this particular track is it's nice because it's you know on old track but you know with a big history so it's nice to come here one time but uh, hopefully I think for the for the for the for the championship it's nice if they can just uh, you know change a little bit mind and go to new tracks and new places and uh, discover new new tracks James, thoughts? You can't really argue with him, can you? He's put some stuff in sleep. It's called damn you! <laughs> I, yeah, I feel a little bit stupid. It's mate. quite um, good putting the riders into here, isn't it? Because it kind of shortens things up. <laughs> Basically, you just set me up for another, another no, fall, haven't uh, you? Tony's got his opinion and so does James. <laughs> no, I, I, I love Majora. However, how he explained it, and given I was just watching on TV, but how he explained it, it was was super relevant. You know, it's, it, it, things have changed, and um, yeah, I, I you know can't argue with what you're uh, saying, Tom. Uh, what do you think of what Tony said? I uh, I completely agree about the safety thing. Either like you, you're always like traversing along a hillside, and either you know, like if the rider was to go right off that, off one of the tabletops, you're basically hitting the bottom of a cliff. But if you were to go left, then you're going off a cliff, and it's like the safety of that is probably not the best when the, obviously the class is so competitive the bikes are so fast that you can be two three wide like two riders wide and going off a jump like that it's probably not the the wisest of things is it to have a something like that but uh yeah i think he when he's saying discover new tracks i think it means like there's more there's other tracks in italy that are capable of hosting um the, the italian grand prix i know there's probably a couple there is like a couple throughout the year so Maybe if we did lose this one, it wouldn't be that bad because they still have other ones to go at. 
the track does still have a wow factor. Like when I was walking in on, uh, when did I get there? Uh, Saturday morning, I got to the track, finally. Walking in, it still had the wow factor. I was like, oh, this place is sick. Like, this is unreal. But just when the racing started, it just kind of, I don't know, maybe my expectations were too high because maybe Majora isn't like, is you give anyone the MXGP calendar and people have Majora marked down as like a, oh, that's a special one. So maybe because it's special, you expect a lot and then it doesn't really work out. But I think track prep does have something to do with it. And to be fair, a lot of riders did just did say it was more to blame. Uh, the track prep was more to blame than the track itself. But there are many ways to skin a cat, I guess, um, as the old saying goes. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. um, no, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I just felt like there wasn't that. I felt like there wasn't that good racing. That's all. I just wanted a bit more. But anyway, moving on. So Hurling's won finally. He did that. We all expected it to happen sooner, maybe. Um, but as he rightly pointed out in the interview after the race, he only really didn't win for two GPs because he won the one before he got injured. <laughs> he lost the first two this year, and now he's won again. So he literally missed like. He didn't win two GPs and he was on the podium at both of those and everyone was freaking out, which when you put it like that, it does feel a bit stupid. But anyway, uh, 6-1 wasn't a characteristic way or what, characteristic? What's the, wasn't a traditional way of uh, winning a GP. But James, what do you think this means uh, moving forward? Because obviously we talked a lot about how the hard pack tracks, um, all of that stuff's going to favor Tim Geyser at the first three rounds and then we move into Hurlin's territory. Well, Hurling's game points on Sunday. He won the GP, and now we're still moving into Hurling's territory. So, uh, thoughts? Yeah, he pulled back nine points um, over the over the GP, which has made the the championship look a little bit different. And but uh, okay, we're going into Hurling's um, territory. But I think was it uh, Geyser who who won Lommel last year? So it's not like okay, we're going into Hurling's territory, but. Guys, there's no slouch on Sam, so I think he, he would have rather have gone in. Um, um, I, I don't know. I don't know if you spoke. I listened to post post race podcast where you spoken to Tim, but I don't know what happened. But uh, I, I'm guessing he would have liked to have had that you know 16, 17 point cushion going into the sand races rather than going into it with it being well, as tight as it is. That's the thing. When you look at it, like Majora really was a kind of turning point I feel because had it gone the way that the other two GPs had gone and Geyser had put uh, say eight to nine points on Hurlins Geyser would have a lead of more than a moto at this point and that we then look at MXGP in a very different way if a rider's got a lead of more than 25 points after three rounds that's I think that falls under the dominant category instead I think it's six now and yeah we're now I feel like the shine has maybe gone off of Geyser a little bit but before we get to him my take on Hurlins would be I think this is a start. I think this may be the start of a bit of a run. First moto, he obviously finished sixth, but once he got back up from his crash and, like, you know, moved a little bit, he was seconds faster than anyone else on track. And then second moto, he obviously played well as well. I just feel like the confidence and everything that he would have taken from this, I think is dangerous moving forward. Thoughts, Tom? Yeah, I think there's been a massive uh, swing in momentum. It's gone off of sort of Geyser's run and Jeffrey's sort of like got it at the right time for him. Like you said, he's going to his tracks. Um, maybe that, that crash that he had has sort of like made him realise that actually I can just rip through these guys still. Um, and 
you know he was on about like minimizing risks and things like that then maybe he's like obviously he was playing he must have must have been risking something to come through like he did and maybe it's just sort of flick to switch like yeah he can do this comfortably um and then he showed it in the second one didn't he, he showed that he can run that pace and not have a problem and it just took a, a good start and in the wet you've just got to get to the front as quick as possible i know that Fevre was out there uh, no sorry Koldenoff was out there and gone but he sort of hung back he was sort of out of the range of like ruining his goggles and everything like that like you don't want to be right behind someone when it when it's in that scenario because it's just gonna you're just gonna get covered in it and your goggles will be ruined by the time where he sort of just waited bided his time and then eventually took the lead and, and the win it was a very like like a mature ride really and obviously it led to the overall win Hurlin's pit board said when he was behind Koldenoff, it said pull trigger and go. And Jesus, he did that because I blinked and he had a... I blinked and somehow he was ahead of Koldenoff and had a three-second lead. I had no I, I had Honestly, I don't know if they got the pass on TV, but it literally felt like I blinked and then he was gone. But um, I've actually got a little clip uh, shorter than the Crowley one. I think that was quite long. But um, I've got a little Hurlins clip here from what he said in the Fly Racing post-race podcast after the race. Uh, I don't actually remember what I've cut here. So <laughs> I have no idea what he says in this, but let's play it. Let's find out. Yeah, it really was. Um, the only turning point was that the stars weren't so great. But besides of that, like uh, I was fastest in time practice. And the first mode, you know, the first few laps, I wasn't struggling. I, I was really like, it was all calculated. I was like, you know, it's hard to pass. But the last 15 minutes, I'm really going to give it a rip. But uh, yeah, then I had a stone uh, between my rear brake. And, you know, with so many stones on track, it's just possible something like this happens. And um, yeah, I was I was so pissed about it. Like I was like, why did this just happen? You know, it's just going in. And I know things like that may happen, but um, at that point, I was like, okay, I'm still. I, I seen some guys up front. I was like, Jonas, he's realistic. We might can still get him. So I just put my head down and went. Like, I just kept charging. And I was like, with a six, I might can get on the podium if I'm a bit lucky. But to get the overall, yeah, it's the second time. I think in my career in 2017 in Swiss, also got six and first for, for the first overall. You need a bit of luck. I got that, but I had a lot of bad luck as well either. So uh, in the past, so no, it was good. And uh, I showed like the second half of the first motor, like the speed I was producing was really, really good. And um, yeah, that I was the fast guy on track, I think, on the end. Uh, yeah, that kind of sums up exactly what we just said about him. I think the second half of the first motor did show that I think that Hurlin still can have the upper hand on a lot of days. Yeah, I think he, um, I think from what he, he was trying, obviously coming into this year, trying to be very, very comfortable on the bike, not pushing himself. But it, I think it showed that there was a point in that GP the weekend where he needed to do that because that answered a lot of questions, not just to everybody else, but to himself. So um, being able to produce a result like that, that's, and the way that he was able to pass people in, in you know, track them down and, and take time out. You know, any any of his competitors are wondering whether uh, the old Hurlins is still there. I think they just find out much to, um, yeah, their disappointment. Uh, I, I don't know. Should we rehash our title percentages? Because I feel like Majora may be changing things, or is it too early? Uh, I think it's a bit too early. I think, I think look, we, we got us up next, haven't we? I think that's going to give us a bit more of an idea, and that that'd be you know round four, which is you know kind of a fifth of the way through uh, the championship. So I think that give us a bit more. I think three's too early, isn't it? I mean, we do we know what happened to to Tim the weekend? Um, we do. We can go. Uh, 
I was going to go to Coldenoff, but if you want to go to Tim now, down in seventh overall, we can go to Tim now. Well, we're we're talking about um, we're talking about obviously. If you want to shit on Coldenoff and skip over him to go to the rider in seventh overall, then you do that. No, I'm just talking. You're you're talking about title predictions and percentages. So can we please okay, go to this guys? Is, uh, this is the most interesting thing I think that guys have said after the race in the fly race and post race podcast. We were like analyzing a lot of starts, so I think it's just like the technique, you know. Couple of guys, you know, like Tony Prado, they have a good technique of start. Um, you know, it's nothing too crazy, you know. We kind of like get the same jump, but after how they yeah. shift, you know, the, that you know to be perfect in shifting these kind of things, you know. Uh, so definitely, I have to work on it, you know, uh, because I'm always around, let's say fifth, sixth. But definitely with whole shot, you can make your life way more easier. Also, the race way more easier, you know. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I think it's a point. I mean, the start is one point where we can improve a lot. Oh, yeah. So he he basically pointed to starts as being his problem. And on a one-line track like Majora, they were. First motor, he started where he started and he finished where he started. That was basically it. Um, And then second motor, he got a bad start, tossed his goggles on lap one, and then... Did well actually to move as high as he did, but what can you do from that point? Like nothing. So bad starts. You won't pay the price for bad starts as much when we get to sand tracks. So that's one good thing, I guess, if your guys are. But um, no, the the lead into that clip was I asked him if it was a bike thing, which it sometimes is. And actually, um, when we get to Ben, we could talk about that, or if it was a technique thing. And it seems like it is. Um, he's putting the onus uh on himself. But this is why I think I'm. This is why I think, and you can take this, Tom. Uh, I think this is why I'm struggling with Majora a little bit because I, whereas Matali, I was ready to take a lot from it. I can't take much from Majora because it was so one-lined that if guys who had got a whole shot in both motos, would he have gone 1-1? Yeah, I can see that. If Herlins had got a whole shot in both motos, would he have gone 1-1? Yeah, I can see that. Like, I just think it was that sort of day where starts dictated everything and you can't really judge someone off of having two average starts on one day in, out of a 20-round calendar. No, um, I think it's interesting to hear that he's actually like analyzing these starts when he's not really known for someone who struggles with them. You know, like he was on about looking at other riders' techniques and his own techniques and things like that. And it's like, well, they obviously put so much emphasis on the start for this round that I think they obviously knew it would be one-lined as well. So he was obviously going in with thinking, right, I, I need to get a good start. Um, I need to be perfect. And do you think he, over, he over, sort of overanalyzed it and maybe tried something, or tried to be so perfect, and it just didn't work. Um, yeah, because, like I said, he didn't really get good starts, when usually he's one of the best starters. Yeah, I when he was talking, I thought the same thing. I was like, I've never, in my life, I've never thought about you struggling with starts. That has ne- yeah. never in my life has it even popped into my head, that, huh, maybe Geyser needs to get better at starts. I don't know actually where this has come from. I can't even really remember, actually. Matterly, was he... He definitely was he top five both times. Um, Anyone? I can't remember at all. I can't remember. I can't remember. I don't know, but it, it, even if he doesn't get a start, he's never had a problem coming through traffic. I mean, we've seen that this year already. Was it in Russia? Yeah, but this is where we blame the track. Yeah. This is where this is what old my mate Tony, me and Tony over here on this side of the fence. This is where we're saying maybe we need a better track. Like this is what I mean. I'm just saying, what I'm saying is he's done this before. So why did he find it so hard this time on when on other tracks he's, he was able to 
to pass people, no problem when it's one line. Because there's one line and then there's one line. <laughs> you have one line where really actually there are lines, and then there's one line where there really is one line. <laughs> That's like I don't know, it's just hard because you saw it in every single moto. It's not like it was a rider thing. It was hard to pass. I, and okay, maybe it would have I think it would have helped if they'd ripped it deeper, because every other year we've gone to Majora, there have been long, snaky ruts up and down the hills. So that would have helped if they'd ripped it deeper, but they were obviously expecting rain. But um, yeah, everyone actually commented about that during EMX races on Saturday, like the riders I was talking to, because it was so hard and so slick and so hard packed that already at that point, the riders could kind of see, well, there's not really a way to save this before our motos. Like the, the section before the finish line, the last turn was so hard packed, but it's like this, that's impossible to rip now. Like, so yeah, I just think a lot of it goes on to the starts. Like I say, I say some of the shine has gone off Geyser since Russia. And I think that is fair because obviously Russia was phenomenal. And I, the only way that he was going to keep that shine was to keep being that phenomenal. But um, would you agree with that, Tom? Yeah, I, do, I think you can't you can expect it to be that sort of ride every weekend. It was showed in Russia where he'd come from, he'd come from last and he'd rip for everyone. But to expect that every time um, there's different different things that can stop that. Like you say, he lost his goggles, and then he, he's he's got the scenario of does he pull into the goggle lane and get new ones, or does he just keep going? And he, he obviously kept going. And I think he, I think did he pass? Uh, I think he passed Fevre late on in the second one. Fevre crashed, didn't he? At oh, some he point. Some, uh, he, I think he got someone, or maybe Sewer. He got someone he, late on with no goggles, and it was. Did he get Prado like, late well, on? You've. Yeah, maybe. Maybe on the last straight, I think he got Prado. But to obviously go after someone with no goggles on on that type of track when you know there's rocks and the mud and everything like that, you're obviously still charging. But um, it's quite sketchy. Like You're putting yourself in a scenario where you can really do some damage to yourself because obviously your eyes are not something you want to be messing around with. James, you want to talk about Geyser. Are you happy for us to move on from Geyser? Yeah, yeah, happy. Yeah, no, it's just, it was just, you know, just my thoughts were, um, he's not really had... Uh, issues before coming through traffic, and and I just think he looked, he just didn't look the same, Tim. I don't know. I don't know whether it was more of a mental thing, and uh, he obviously didn't want to let on and talk about all it. All the track, I think maybe Hurling's got to all the track, all the track, track, please, please, yeah. all the track. track. <laughs> the track, Lewis. If just please, please include that in your list, <laughs> please. Coldenoff, I'm impressed by Coldenoff a lot. To be honest, I, I thought that I thought that this would be his peak later in the season. I thought that the first couple of rounds were going to be tough sledding, getting used to the Yamaha in race conditions. He'd figure out a couple of issues that didn't maybe didn't expect uh, once real racing started. But since Russia, he's been really good, really competitive. Uh, raw speed's been quite good. I'm I'm actually impressed. I think he's better than he was on the gas gas. To be honest, thoughts, James. Yeah, it's it's coming. It, it just seems to be getting better every, you know, every round. And um, yeah, I think there's more to come. I think, you know, from what I when I when I spoke to um, Louis and uh, Matali, uh, they're really pleased. He, they've known Glenn as well for a long time. He seems to be settling within the team and uh, easy to work with. And I think they're just it's just going to get better and better every you know every round. I think he's just going to get he's going to get more familiar with the bike I think he just seems to be gelling he seems to be happy and I think that's that's coming across it's def- it definitely looks like it is already uh, thoughts on cold enough Tom 
Yeah, I just think he's he's solid, and he? he's um, slowly building up. Um, like like James said, you you can see that he's happy on that bike and that team. Um, I think the the rain really helped him because it's like a like the great equalizer, isn't it? Um, and I think it'll give him a lot of confidence moving forward. I can't remember where everyone sat on this debate, but James does cold enough win a GP this year. Uh, yeah, and and the fact that he was tied at this GP, then yeah, definitely he's he's going to win one. Uh, Tom, does cold enough win a GP this year? I can't remember what I said. I think I said no. Um, I think you might have said yes. I think you might have said two for sewer and one for cold enough. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, um, I think he'll get one with consistency. Like this, like this weekend, um, he went four two, did he? So I think he can do that again. Yeah, four two. I think I think we're going to see a run a, a run of motor wins from Jeffrey. So it's going to be difficult for him to, you know, like pull out the the one one like he did last year or something like that. But I think he will get an overall. Yeah. Um, ah, well, I think that's an interesting. I think that's an interesting question with Coldenoff because obviously that's where we're kind of at. Like, will he or won't he? Do you think he will? I was hoping you weren't going to ask that question because it's it's a no from me for at the moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> a shocker. <laughs> no, just I, I just the field stacked. F- uh, Fevra was really good on uh, what day? Sunday. That would be the day. <laughs> Fevra was really good on Sunday. That's the day we run the races. <laughs> Fevra's still got to win a GP this year. Prado's still got to win a GP this year. I think... I think I would... If you'd ask me who... You beat all them. Mm, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Like if, it, mate, if it's what the people want, then I'll say yes. If that's what the people want, if, a pe- if I'll give the people what they want, I'm more than happy to. But right now, I'm afraid I'm a no on a, that side of the coin. But he has impressed me. Let... Don't let my no there when people send this to him, because I know, I, know, I know there are you people out there. When you send this to him, I said no. How about you include the bit where I said I'm really, really impressed by him? Yeah? How about that? Please do. Cheers. All the best. Caroli third overall, not much to say, just more solid again, clearly on top level. And actually, I've actually got another little Caroli thing. I can't really remember what this says either. My little thing says 222 health. So let's hear him talk about health on the Fly Racing Post Race podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I really, I feel, uh, I feel I was a little bit like 2017. Uh, of course, not that fit. I was uh, that year, but uh, I feel that I can do a lot of things, uh, you know, how I want uh, on the track. So, uh, and I didn't really, uh, I, I don't really am at my best condition yet. So I, I just uh, keep building it from here. Uh, race after race i don't have uh, any pressure from from no, nobody you know that uh, you know i need to deliver uh because you know my teammates uh, needs to deliver more than me of course they are there for uh, on the for the win uh, but still i'm there and uh, this is makes me very proud but uh, of course I, I i i try to keep it each race you know to do what I, best i can you know was that a slight at prado James? Was that like a little, just a dig? Just a little one? Was that a little dig at Prado? Or am I reading too much into that? I, yeah, I don't know. Um, Is that, do you not know because you didn't just listen to what I played? <laughs> no, no, maybe. I don't, I don't want to say too much on it, but we do know that he's been training quite a lot on his own. So it, is there a little bit of friction there? No, 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 there's not friction there, but I just mean like, 
is he kind of pointing out that he's actually kind of I feel, I feel like if that was his way of pointing out that everyone wrote him off and oh look I'm still here haha <laughs> But also interesting for him to mention that he doesn't have the pressure to win. Like, it's his teammates who are expected to win. But again, maybe that's him saying, like, people wrote me off and here I am. Ha ha. Ha ha. <laughs> like, I guess, I guess yeah. that is motivation for him as well. And most interesting is I, um, that question, I, I said to him, like, this is the healthiest you've been since early 2019, like I've said a million times on this podcast. And he went, as you heard, I feel like I did in 2017, which was the last time he won the world title. Like, 2017 was a long time ago. If he feels like that, then... I don't know. I'm, I'm getting slightly swept up in the crony hype. Well, if, if you look at... If he didn't have that crash, where would he be in the championship? It'd be, I'm pretty sure he'd be leading. Hold on. Uh, Tom, you talk about Crowley and I'm going to work that out. I think it's like a, a, little, a little healthy reminder. You know, I don't think there's friction there between him and Prado, but it might be just like a healthy reminder of saying, look, I'm still like the man. Like I'm still here. Um, you might be like, like you even said, you might be number one on the team, or you're expected to win now, and I'm just here. But just, just to let you know that I'm still the faster one, I guess, uh, or or the more consistent, or is still competitive. Like not to write him off or anything like that. He he's looking really good at the moment, Tom. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and yeah. and just super consistent as well. Apart from that crash, yeah. that you know that it literally it, it would have been a third. He had a, started with a third, then he's had a first, a third, and another two thirds. Like that, that's you can't be really much more consistent than that. And if he if he'd got a third in the uh, in in two thirds in the round one, he'd be leading Tim by one point. Um, yeah, if he well, uh, we we don't actually need Lewis for this show. Tom. So, so James, Tom. James went out faster than you then. No, so. I, I had it worked out. I was just waiting for you two to let me come Maths back into the conversation. Um, Maths is not a strong point. No, um, so Crowley was going to finish second in that Sekimoto in Russia, I feel is quite safe to say. And if he'd done that, he'd be leading championship by three points. And what a, like, imagine if Crowley had a red, plate, a red plate right now. That would be a story. Like, that would be a, who saw this coming? That would be like, even more of a shock. But, Crowley was confident after the race. Uh, he said he's got a lot of motivation. He said he's 75%. You listen, Tom. He said 75%, didn't he? I uh, can't remember the number of percentage, to be honest. <laughs> I think he said 75%. Um, I remember it. Right. Thanks, Tom, for making me, back to health. making me not look too bad. It's like, I feel okay, like we're on a so quiz here. I've gone blank. I've gone blank. No, I've gone he, blank. Um, he, said, he said he... I was going to say, for him to say that he feels like he's, he was in 2017... And we're now four years removed from that. It's quite a long period of time to know how he felt and know like, so he must have, the past couple of years have obviously been very rough. And for him to feel like that again at this age is like a massive, like a confidence boost for himself, I guess. Because uh, he's, he's going to be confident in his body again and confident that he can go for the full motor and not, not have any like nagging injuries or anything. He said at the moment he feels like he's 75% and he can get to 100. Like, there's more to come. He's building up. He said that he got a late start because of the injuries and stuff, which, as we know, that isn't always a bad thing. Give it two months and suddenly that late start turns into a just amazing move. And also, sand races are coming up and he doesn't like Russia. He doesn't like Majora. So if he's in this position after racing on two or three tracks that he hates, what I hate might be a strong word, but definitely strongly dislikes, then he, um, 
he, uh, I think things are looking quite promising for him. But that's a, that is a point, uh, James. We talk about the tra- difference in tracks and how this weekend off is going to kind of reset the status quo a little bit. If there's three riders who are going to benefit from going into the sand, I would say it is Red Bull KTM. It's Prado, it's Crowley, it's Herlins. This could, this could do wonders for the KTM trio. Yeah, and again, it, Tim, Tim at the moment hasn't got a teammate. So he's the lone Honda rider up there in... All what's going to do is with with those three KTM riders, at some point they're going to separate Tim from from Jeffrey or maybe take points of each other. But anyway, it, what I'm trying to say is having those three KTMs up there is, is is going to throw some points in one of those orange bikes ways. Moving on, we'll try and get through this quicker than we did last week. Prado, fine. It was fine. It's just fine. Like it's just fine. You can't really say anything bad about it, but you can't really say anything good about it. It's just fine. It was better than Matley. Was it though? Well, he so. faded, didn't he? Yeah, but so he didn't really. Like the second motor, I... Matley, it was like, "What's going on?" He's like going backwards. I'm pretty sure, actually, I just noticed he's he sort of in the motor. Wasn't he? Matley and Matley and Majora, he'd had exactly the same motor scores: two seven, two seven. How weird's that? Like, what a strange yeah. pattern. Yeah. Yeah. He was just a bit more in it at the end. I know he got past in the last lap, but still he was there rather than like like a wounded soldier just sort of getting, surviving. We'll, um, we'll talk more about Prado in a bit because I know there's a lot of questions about him in Liat Ask Vice Anything, which will come back up, coming up in part two of BMXY show. Fevra. We need to talk about Fevra. I've got a lot to say about Fevra. I've just remembered. Talk about getting swept up in hype. I think Fevra can win this championship. James. Really? Yes. Fevra can win this championship. Wev- Jesus Christ, I think I might be there. I think, right, I fit... Mm. Are you sure you want to carry on down this road? Why? Mm. If you're happy... To- I'm not saying he's going to win it. I'm saying I think he can. I'm, like he's, I'm putting him in the mix. I have him in my... He's in my mix. What's the difference between... So could is like an option. Now you're saying he can win it, as in there's a greater chance. Yes, yeah, there is a he he can win this. That's what I'm saying. He Hurlings is Hurlings and guys are a strong, much stronger favourites from Fevra. Fevra can win this, though. That's what I'm saying. Agree or disagree, James? Uh, I, I think at the, at the start of the year I did say it was an outside chance, um, but from what I'm seeing from Guys are Hurlins and now Caroli. I don't. I don't know. I. I. I, I, I think. No. No. I, I, no. I'm not. No. I think you're wrong. Okay. Wow. Wow. That, was, I'm, that seemed like I'm it was a really that. emotional decision for you. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm loving that. You, you. You know, you're excited by this, but no, no, Lewis. Um, Tom, same question. Can Fever win a title? No. I think he showed that in the second one. He just couldn't hold it together. Whether it was crashes or what, it just, I know the rain probably didn't help, but it's them, them motors like that. You've got to minimize them mistakes and like get as many points on your, on your bad races to be, a, to be the champion. And I don't think you can do that against people like Jeffrey and, and Tim. What do I know? I guess. I, well, okay. This is what I'm saying. Maybe you'll agree with this more on my list of favorites for the title. I now have Herlin's number one guys are number two. Um, and it's a toss-up between Caroli and Fevra for free. That's where I'm at. Caroli. At the moment, 
everything, if you look at form, surely Caroli, hands down. Yeah, but what I'm saying is... Is it is, the fact that... Go on. Is it the fact that um, he's the one that can outright just win, like on speed, like you saw in the first race, like he can just turn it on and just win? Um, but it was a one-line track a and you bit. said he got the start. Yeah, that is a that so, is a counter. So you've just you've just based your whole the whole thing you've based it on is what you had literally ripped apart at the start of the show. No, it makes no, no sense. not not just Majora. I'm I'm kind of basing it on the fact that if you sat there right now and said Fevra was the fastest rider in Russia, I would I would I would be open to listening to that. If you sat there right now and said Fevra was the fastest rider in Matali, I wouldn't shit on you. I would be open to listening to that. And if you sat there right now and said Fevra was the fastest rider in Majora. I wouldn't shit on you. I'd be open to listening to that. That's what I mean. Like, I think you can make a real case that he has been the fastest rider in this series. James. There's just the moto scars uh, every round that, that sway it. Wait, so... Like, yeah, said, you, like, you could be the fastest ride, rider, but, but you have to finish the race consistently. 14 points down on... Uh, 14 points down on Geyser and 11 points down on... Erlins. Have I done that math? He's right? got 14 points. No. What's the difference between. Oh, it's 17. No. Please don't do math. 17. 17 points. Please don't. You know, like, Tom, you know that when people go to the gym, they skip leg day? Lewis skipped math <laughs> day. <laughs> I got my math GCSE by one mark. I was one mark away from, from failing. So I see things. I thought it was out. the stats man. I thought it was the stats man as well. I thought that was. Uh... Yeah, but I can yeah. I can do that sort of math. I just can't do the With math. A calculator. I can't do the math where they're like. Sarah went into a grocery store and bought eight apples, but I, I can't do all of that stuff. <laughs> or February scored one hundred and seven points. Tim scored one hundred and twenty-four points. What's the difference? <laughs> Fevra said a lot of interesting stuff in the post-race podcast presented by Fly Racing about his arm pump surgery and actually said that he thinks he's maybe better now than in his title winning year and early 2016, which people have heard me rave about as being like unbelievable. But also, Fevra provided us with our Planet Moto bombshell of a week. Are you ready for this? Okay, let's do it. Uh, where is it? We are used to... I mean, we are riding every week almost in the sand, so uh, like normal routine, uh, just uh, taking the sand, uh, sand uh, technically a bit. And I know, I know my fitness; it's really good. Uh, I can ride pretty good in the sand, so I'm really looking uh, forward. And I have really like uh, I want, I want to beat uh, Jeffrey in the sand one time. So. Uh, I feel, um, like I said already, I feel uh, I'm on best, almost the best shape of my career right now. So uh, if it's uh, one moment to do it, it's now, I think. That is your Planet Motor Bombshell of the Week, presented by Roman Fevre. For the first time, a rider has uh, brought that to us. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better, and you can still experience that right now. And most importantly, you can do it in 2022. All of the 2022 dates, packages, uh, everything you need is now available. Visit planetmoto.co for more or their social media channels. Um, and look into the Planet Moto Academy as well. A lot of riders have taken advantage of that, and the results are evident. So why not get involved? Visit planetmoto.co for more. Tom, thoughts 
where a man wants to beat Jeffrey in the sand and he feels like now's the time to do it. Yeah, it's quite like a a, a statement, isn't it, really? Like, he, he obviously is targeting Jeffrey as the man to beat this weekend and it's 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 a bit of like a, a weird thing for a rider to say, don't you think? Like, I just want to beat him once. He's uh, obviously <laughs> yeah, put a lot of... <laughs> like, just, just once. I just want to beat him once. But it's like, yeah, he probably he probably is in the the best position to do it this year. Like we've seen Jeffrey slowly building at the start of the year, uh, start of the season, and Febra has been extremely fast. So he's probably right. This is the year to do it if he if that's all he wants to do. James, you can actually, James, you have your say on a little on that planet motor bombshell of a week. Yeah, I agree with Tom. It's just a quite a weird a weird thing to to say, especially when. You're you're looking at it from like a, a title shot. You're at Kawasaki to, to win titles, and his focus is beating Jeffrey in the sand, um, which I guess he has to if he wants to win a title. Um, in I don't know, just just a strange thing to say. So um, yeah. you could hear you could hear in that though he he wasn't sure whether to say it. Like he went, he kind of he went. I want, Hesitated. I want. Yeah, like you could, and I could see you on in his face when I was talking to him. I could see he was thinking like, should I say it? Should I say it? Should I say it? And then he drops the planet motor bombshell of a week. But that just gives you a bit of insight into his mindset at the moment. He's, he, in his mind, he can win any weekend, any track, any conditions, any rider against any rider. Like, and that's a, I think that's a powerful place for Fevra to be in because I'm not sure he's been in that position for quite a while. Yeah, I can see why you, know you got excited about this, Lewis. Uh, what'd you say, Tom? You know, if he does it as well, do you know if he actually does beat him uh, in the sand, then it's going to be such a confidence boost for him. Um, not that he needs it anyway, like he's already won a motor already, but I mean, to do that, obviously he's put a lot of pressure, not pressure on it, but he's put a lot of emphasis on it. So to do it, it'll be like, yeah, he can he can beat anyone anywhere at that point. I'm not sure he um, expected that to turn into a bombshell, though. I'm sure he might, he was hoping that I'd just sweep it under the carpet. But uh, what were you going to say, James? Yeah, it'd actually be a second bombshell if he does it next, <laughs> next GP. Well, imagine if he does. Imagine if he goes out and pulls it off after saying that. Like, that's a, that's a, that is a statement to say it and well, then do man. it immediately. It's a huge, big bull statement to put out there. Let's face it, when you're when you, when arguably one of the best sand riders of all time. Well, not even arguably. Undoubtedly. Moving swiftly on, Sua had a so-so day. I'll actually read you a little. Um, I'll read you a little thing from Yamaha. This is what Sua said in his uh, official Yamaha post-race quote thing. Uh, Honestly, I don't feel too good. I struggled more than I expected because I love the track out there and I felt good on the track. It's just my energy and my body. I have a few problems with my body that make it tough to perform how I want to perform. I am not at all at the level I could be, but I made the best out of it. I made some points, and there are some positives. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I just need to wait and have patience for my body to return to full health so I can, re- 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 so I can ride how I want. Yeah, it wasn't a 8-8. Eight, eight. It's not, that's not Jeremy Sewer. Sewer's better than that. Is anyone, okay, same question. James, can Sewer still win his title? No. Uh, Tom, can Sewer still win his title? No, I think it's done. So we are, we are culling some names here quite quickly, aren't we? Which is weird because coming back, coming into this year, he was, you know, was it double or triple vice champion? Quadruple. Quadruple vice champion. <laughs> well, is that, that's including MX2, though. Oh, isn't yeah. It? Double MXGP and double MX2. Yeah, double MXGP. Yeah. So double MXGP. So, yeah, it's just a weird, weird start to the year for him. 
do you think the 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 constant drag of never missing a race, um, never missing a Grand Prix, never sort of being really injured, and obviously the off seasons are like the hardest time for riders. That he's never really had that. Like you said, his body needs to get healthy. Do you think it's just ground him down and down to the point where now he's sort of uh, just worn out? You, from a, that, and maybe from a, I kind of think of it from a different standpoint, is the mental toll of never having Mr. GP, yeah. does that play on him? Like, does he think to himself, geez, I need to, like, I can't let my, because can't, can't let Lewis down. If MX Vice had never put that Instagram post out, no one would actually know. <laughs> so it kind of, but now, <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, because every time I mention it, or I, like, even if I mention it to him when I'm just chatting to him, like, no recorders or anything, or if I put it on MX Vice Instagram and I'm not even directly aiming, like, sending it to him, like, I kind of feel a bit guilty because I feel like it is piling on unnecessary pressure because really it doesn't matter. But I think he's at 131 now. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, that is mental. But what I will say is 2019, he had um, a similar start to the season. He came in, he wasn't 100% because he had, uh, what was it? A lung infection in the off-season of 2019, I think it was. So he came in and just limped through the first three rounds. And after the first three rounds, he was seventh with 78 points, which was 69 points down on Karoli, who was leading the championship at the time. And that year, he still went on to finish second in the world championship. So I guess that right there is proof that don't write him out. Don't write him off, even. Or write him out, whatever that means. Don't do either of those things. Don't you think, James? Yeah. I, um, it's, I do, I can't, I can't understand how that is probably getting to him. But I think Tom might be onto something. Do you know another thing that I think as well? Um, with him, with him being tired. Do you know, like, the start of the season kept getting pushed back and pushed back. It means that they'll have been doing so many, like, training camps to get ready. And then it'd be like, oh, yeah, we're not going yet. Then they'll have, like, a couple of weeks off, maybe, and then go again. And then go again. When Every time it got pushed back, I don't think that'll have helped anything. Because he, he wouldn't have really got... Cause, because we ran late last year with the season. And then it was pretty much straight into, camp, like, boot camp again, wasn't it? After New Year. Um, yeah. And then it got pushed back. So they've done another like training block and then it pushed back again, I think. And there'll be another training block. And it's like, how many of them can the body handle before it says like, like I'm knackered sort of thing. I need like more than, <laughs> yeah. more than what it's been given. And, and he's the one who has had the longest amount of races than probably like the, when on all that training added together. And now the intensity of the races and he's saying he's knack, he's, he's getting tired and his body isn't healthy. So it, it could be a big sign of it. Well, we've got a weekend off this weekend and then we go into four GPs in a row. So I guess the hope would be that this weekend off is going to do something good for him. Uh, I actually might text him. I wouldn't be surprised if he just doesn't ride for two weeks. That might even be the move. But um, yeah, obviously, if he's going to enter the four-week stretch, not at 100% or even close to it, then that would, be, um, that would not be ideal. Ninth overall, Ben Watson, very good, very encouraging, very impressive. He passed guys as straight up in the first moto. That was incredible for me, for my eyes to behold. James, Watson Wagon, yeah. thoughts? Watson Wagon, I think he's, I think he's just doing everything right in his first rookie year. He is ticking a lot of boxes, super consistent. You look at the, obviously uh, Russia didn't get a plan, but you look at the last two rounds, just. 
just super consistent, different conditions, um, different tracks. I, I, I'm, I like what I'm seeing. And also a nod to, um, to Olsen as well. Is It started great, but it's not gone so well the last couple of weekends. It's just weird that Ben and Olsen, obviously ben, Ben's first round is what really sort of, you know, if, if he'd managed to get that consistency, he, he would possibly be, you know, top 10 overall at the moment in championship, which is what we said coming into this year, hey? Yeah, I think um, it's all, he's the best of the rest behind that lead, lead group. He's clearly the best rookie. Two things that I think are perfect for a rookie 450 season. It's actually quite weird because going in, we obviously had the lead group and then we had this group that we had Ben in. And, I would, and Jonas was in that group, but I would take Jonas out of that group now and put him in the same group as the Fevra, Caroli people. Yeah, Coldenhoff. Olsen's kind of fallen out of that group the other way. Uh, Mitch isn't even riding. And Vlanderin's, Vlanderin's a, bit off, a bit off at the moment as well with a few things struggling with starts and stuff like that. So, ben, so this five-rider group is really just Ben now. <laughs> like he's just yeah. got his own little group. But thoughts, Tom? Yeah, I think um, I think there was a lot of hype coming into the season. Obviously, like like we messed around saying that when he was beating Jeffrey and things like that. But I think Russia sort of uh, was a little bit of a realization. And then it's what, like you said, it's what you expect for a rookie season. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be weird rounds. And then uh, to be so solid and like we saw it in Matley, he was good in both races. And then this weekend, I think it was borderline the same result overall. Um, and I think it was the same, not even, was it the same motor scores as well? But um, uh, oh, he, 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 he actually showed that uh, yeah. he had 10, 11, a bit more, 12, 10. Right, he showed, he showed a bit more like uh, want to be in the front group. Like he, he, ran, he, he ran up there quite a while and then I think Sewer got him after a couple of mistakes. But uh, it's, just, it's just glimpses, isn't it? It's steady improvements. It's, it's been solid and then showing the speed and getting used to it, used to running with the guys and uh, I think we said last week as well about his first half of the races that it was like the the struggle for him and uh, he made mention in the podcast that uh, he, he showed that this week he, the first 15 minutes was actually the best time for him so I think it's just about putting it all together now and um, getting like the overall package throughout the race I guess like the good start the, the first sprint first 15 minutes and then settle in and then go again sort of thing uh, but yeah I thought it was good yeah, he went 9-11 for uh, ninth overall just um, right. he's just looking for uh, some grunt in the power now I think I think that's the next uh, step for him to improve his starts and maybe um, become more consistent on that front it's just a bit more grunt uh, immediate hit and then uh, yeah away we go the Watson wagon is rolling he he uh, he welcomed new people on board for Watson Wagon after the race. However, we are closed, as I've mentioned many times. 2022 signups will be open soon, though. Exactly. All the, all the <laughs> fake fans that we lost, Lewis, after Russia. We will open 2022 signups probably later this month, though. So if you want to um, be involved in, then feel free to let us know, James. I think uh, comeback of the weekend has to go to Jacoby, doesn't it? Well, before we get to Jacoby, do you want me to explain the Van Horbick situation that I put on Twitter? Just do it. Okay, so Van Horbick's better, or beta, better, better, I think it's better, but I say beta, so I'm going to continue saying beta, 
Van Horbeek's beta um, just died on the site in that. Like, just died uh, on one of the furthest points from the start straight. So he sprinted across the track, did a little jog, and then got to the last corner, still running. He was running to the start line because that's where his spare bike You're was. You're going to talk about Albi, um, aren't you? And Ferrato pulled up alongside him and offered him to get on his bike with him. And Van Horbeek turned him down. And as I said to Van Horbeek after the race, I'm so glad you turned him down because that would have been the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Him and... It'd have been like Harry and Lloyd off of um, Dumb and Dumber. Ferrato and Van Horbeek <laughs> ride in tandem over the finish line to finish the site in that. Like, I just... That'd have been amazing. I'm glad I got that on video. Um, I don't even know why I was... Vid- oh, I was videoing for um, an Instagram story, but yeah, I quickly, I quickly moved the camera. <laughs> onto Van Horbeek and his little... But I was, very, I was videoing Van Horbeek just because I thought it was funny that he was running. I didn't expect to get Ferrato offering him a lift. Yeah, that was a great bit of video footage. Also, uh, Van Horbeek, second moto, his grips were loose, which he struggled with. So... Oh, that's, that's an issue. That is an issue. So that's why uh, second moto wasn't as good as the first. But still very happy, a very happy person, happy at beta, happy with a bike, happy with a team. Happy with the whole package. Uh, happy that he's getting paid what he deserves. Just happy. He's very happy at the moment. Uh, what did you want to say about Jacoby, James? Uh, I just said after his uh, mid-flight um, uh, get-off or ejection, I just thought it was a you know a solid solid ride the weekend. Um, and and I, I I don't know why, but when that when the rain came down, I was fully focused on Bogers putting in a surprise top five. That never quite happened. But it was good to see that Jacoby kind of showed what he could do. I thought, I thought was, maybe that's going to be a good confidence booster for, for him for the rest of the year. Moving swiftly on, Strybos is super impressive. Super, super impressive. Very impressive. Very impressed. Um, Crazy. Needs better starts. He's struggling with that. Uh, Vlanderin's also struggling with starts. So that is a maybe a Geben thing, which Strybos is probably going to be trying to figure out this week, seeing as he is the official test rider for all three riders, including himself, obviously. <laughs> He's obviously going to be testing for himself and not just the other two. And then, yeah, further down, uh, Sterry rode well again. Tonus had an off day. Olsen had an off day. Yeah. James, anything else that stands out to you in MXGP? Yeah, uh, for me, uh, Van Donick just keeps impressing. Justified, you know, getting that shot with Gavin. It's looking really, really good. Nice to see Simpson put uh, two races together and get some decent points. And also, uh, Jimmy Cloche. He was in my MX manager team, so I was rooting for him in, in race two. And a big shout out to Anton Gold for picking up his first point, which has been a pretty hard couple of rounds. I think he's starting to find his feet again. It's good to see him pick up a point. Uh, Tom, anything that stands out to you in MXGP that we haven't talked about? Uh, no, not really. Um, it was pretty much... I think when it, com- when it comes to a mud race, it just sort of everything like logic goes out the window sort of thing it just becomes especially there it looked very slippy and slick it was more like a survival to start with wasn't it so I think it sort of played a factor in the results back there right I think then that nicely wraps up part one I feel like once again we went long (laughs) Um, definitely going to be looking at that moving forward (laughs) definitely going to be having to take a little closer look at that one moving forward because I thought we um I thought we crushed that. Maybe we'll um, get rid of the have a word segment to save some time, seeing as no one seemed to enjoy that at all. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe you need to have a word. <laughs> uh, that was part one of the um, MXY show, episode number 75, presented by Fly Racing. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with a Formula helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula helmet has changed the game. And uh, yeah, Hitachi KTM fueled by Milwaukee are using the Fly Formula helmet as well as Fly uh, gear. So all good on that front. Yeah, Fly are a valued partner. Yeah, we're happy to be pushing a product that we believe in. But also, uh, the MXY show is presented by Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, Armour Nutrition, and Blenzel Oils. Uh, that is part one of the MXY show. We will be back uh, very shortly. Listen to the adverts, support the sponsors, and then we will carry on wrapping up Majora. See you in five. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. Prox Racing Parts supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the high-level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of Prox's parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at Evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out Liat.com for more. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rayon technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet has changed the game. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode number 75 of the uh, MX Vice Show podcast. Coming in hot with Majora breakdown, analysis, insight, some laughs, some arguments, some debates, and all of that good stuff. The stuff you people listen to this for. Part two of the MXY show is presented by Technical Touch. With an air oil separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world, the KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. You too can experience the best in suspension, like Jeremy Sewer and Ben Watson, and close to home as well. Visit technical-touch.com slash KYB hyphen authorized hyphen dealer, that's authorized with a Z, to find an authorized KYB by Technical Touch dealer in your country. 
take your ride to the next level. Choose Technical Touch. And uh, yeah, the results will astound you. Get factory suspension as an amateur rider. And yeah, like what more could you want? Comfort is at a premium. There are two authorized dealers in the UK for UK listeners. So yeah, yeah, there you go. Everything Technical Touch will sort you right out. Now, uh, on with part two. Tom Neal had to go, unfortunately. So for the rest of the show, it's myself, Lewis Phillips, and um, my trusted, well, not so much trusted, my wayward companion, James. Hello, James. Welcome back to part two. Companion's a bit strong. We don't live together or anything. I didn't know what the word would be. Co-pilot, that's the word. Co-pilot. Co-host, even. Co-host, that's the word. (laughs) Companion, we're, we're not together. So anybody who's tuning in for the first time into this show, just to clarify, Lewis and myself are not a couple. He would like it to be, to be so, uh, where he could talk all day and all night about Mercross to me. But um, unfortunately, I'm married. A couple of people, right, last week said that I slagged you off too much on the podcast. And last week, I, 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 pl- I gave you a drum roll because you brought some really good insight. And then I remember when you said about, after Matt Lee, you said about how Fevra and, uh, we were talking about how Fevra was good and Prado was bad. And then you pointed out that they had the same moto scores. And I remember going, that is a bloody good point. But for some reason, people felt like I laughed at you too much. Yeah, you do. I think it's probably just not one. I don't don't think it's one show. I think it's an accumulation of like 70 odd episodes now. I mean, mean, but then you tell me that I've got disabilities on here and no one bats an eyelid, which kind of just my life. I laugh at you for having a. I laugh at you for. I laugh. I laugh at some of your takes about motocross, which is quite harmless. And then you accuse me of having a disability that I don't have, and that's a considered fine in the eyes of the world. But anyway, it's we'll what, move it's on. what we call hidden disability. Anyway, so so we've done MXGP. A lot of talking. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's it's going to be like that this year. There's a lot happening. There's a lot on the line, and. Um, and obviously, there's some, some standout performances. So it's, it's good to chat about this. And there's lots of different stories going on. And it's the same for MX2. I mean, I, I think MX2 is even more fascinating than MXGP at the moment. In, in, and you've only got to look at the results from the weekend. Again, it's, it's just such... It's, it is open season. And obviously, you know, I feel for Vial. I feel that, you know, this, this year was set up all like, you know, great for him. And he's obviously tried to come back this weekend. Still not quite right. But when you start to look at the points, he's not that far behind. It's 60-odd points. I actually haven't looked. Is that how much it is? Yeah, it was 63. So um, when you start to think of the, the leads what Hurlins had in MX2 and was able to pull it back, uh, you've got to think at 63, he's got now two weeks now until Oss. And you've you got to think that he's going to be able to, to be in a decent place for Oss, don't you? You know what? Let's start with that. Sorry, if I bugged up your show. No, <laughs> you just went on. A, you basically <laughs> did MX2 there. Like you basically did the whole of MX2. <laughs> so, Vial didn't race again. Ham was too painful. He did actually try this time. Last time he tried qualifying and didn't even try the motos. This time he did line up for Moto1. I would have. I, I honestly hadn't looked yet because uh, flight was late and all of that sort of stuff. I would have thought he would have been eighty-seven points down or something. And at that point, I was kind of like, okay, it is what it is. Sixty-seven or what did you say? Sixty-three. Sixty-three. Or 67? Yeah, 63. sixty-three. 
I think he's still my favourite. Because the only rider that I think Vial really needs to worry about is Gertz. And he's 17 points behind Gertz. So if Gertz was leading, yeah, different story. But I feel like Vial can win this championship. And actually, you know what? He's my favourite still. Yeah. It all depends. I think Oss is going to be interesting. If he can pick up, you know, a top five in Oss, then it limits the, the bleeding of the, uh, you know, the, the points going too far. But, you know, hats off to Guadagini and, and Renault. They are really pushing the envelope at the moment. And I think that's going to be the ones he's going to need to watch now. Uh, so Guadagnini obviously won his first GP at home uh, with the number 101. Reminds me of another Red Bull KTM rider with number 101 who won his first GP at home. Do you think he's a real deal in the sense that he can obviously win races, obviously, he's fast enough. Do you think he's a real deal, though, that can he win this championship? Yeah, um, from, from day one, uh, since he's come onto the scene, winning the 125s, and, and we, we've watched his career go from, from, from there. And I, I think it was a podcast I'd done with, uh, with Diego, and they, they've seen this talent for a long, long time. This is not, some, this is not just happened. I think he has all the credentials to to, to go the, the whole way with this, even in his rookie year. And it, it's it's going to be close because you know both him and Renault just look really really good, really in form at the moment. But the class is still so open, so that. There is def- definitely consistency issues um, throughout the class. And I think this is what's going to happen throughout the whole year. I just see people taking points off of people, which will play again into Vial's hands. D- do you agree? Yeah, I don't think... I think that... I even thought a similar thing with Beaton. Like, Beaton is just... Beaton is tied on points with Gertz and in 10th. So he's, like, just as buried. Or was he ninth? One of those. He's 10th. He's, he's, he's same tenth. points as Gertz. Yeah. Correct. And I, th- I think that in Beaton's position, the two riders he really has to worry about are Vial and Gertz. And they're right there with him. All of those riders in the top five, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to throw points away. They, you can't rely on any of those being really reliable. So I think the fact that Gertz, Beaton and Vial are 9th, 10th and 11th in points, I think each of those three riders is looking around at the, the other two and like, okay, well, if you're down here with me, then... Happy days, like that's okay. Like that's much, that's a much better situation than if the other two were at the top as well. Because Guadagnini is still a rookie; he's going into the sand. We haven't seen him in the sand as an MX2 rider. Renault, Renault's probably the most dangerous because he was third in the championship last year, so he's clearly consistent to a level. And Fernandez, he's obviously got the Camilla team. Sorry to interrupt, Lewis, but I think that's the difference between Renault this year. He is. He's, he's looking like the number one on that team at the moment. And he's got better equipment. I did expect him to win on Sunday, though. I'll say that. Just, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I did too. I kind of look at him with Vial out and Gertz, not himself. I kind of look at Vial, um, Renault, sorry, as being like the number one guy in the class. So I'm a bit surprised that he hasn't taken that, taken that mantle and really run with it. Because if you had told me that Renault had gone one 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 at Matley and uh, Majora, then I would have been like, oh, yeah, I can believe that. That sounds about right. So 
But maybe that's a maybe that's another a bit of a sign again that maybe he isn't ready to run away with it yet, and that's another string to the bow of um Vial. But um, so Guadagnini won. That was like amazing. Oh, not too much of a surprise after Matali. We'll see how he does in the sand, but I think he's going to be good from here on. He, you can consider him a contender for wins every week. I think. Gertz obviously got back on the podium in third, so that was a step in the right direction. Most importantly, he had two solid motos. He didn't throw it away, which is what he's done in Russia and Britain. Like the knee gets blamed for his poor results, but actually he was solid in two of the motos at those uh, in two of the motos at the first two rounds. No, right, that doesn't make sense. At one of the moto, he was solid in one of the motos at the first two <laughs> rounds, and. The other one, he threw it away for his own doing. So, like, he could be much higher up in the points now, as I said last week. But, um, no, that was a step in the right direction. Mostike, though, I feel like Mostike, like Renault, I'm kind of expecting Mostike to take more of a handle on the situation at the moment, and he's really not. Maybe slightly underwhelming, don't you think? Yeah, I, I agree. Big fan of, of the rider. Um, I just expected him to come out swinging a little bit more this year. And, and he's kind of been overshadowed a little bit by Barame, who um, is, you know, putting some decent results or more, more, like, more consistent results. So I think it's, it's good to see them both in the top five. But you're quite right. I think, I think there was, this was a really good opportunity for people like Renault, people like Van Moustijk to really put their authority down uh, on the title race this year with Vial obviously losing two whole ranks. So basically, it could be a very different story if, if Vial had won, you know, exactly done, done exactly the same in, in round two and round three. He would have been 37 points in the lead if he had won all the races. That's what we could have looked at. And I think are those riders going to kick themselves knowing that they've had a really good opportunity here to to really put some results together while he's been out. I actually wanted to say this about Guadagnini. I've said a few times that MX2 is kind of, MX2 needs a star to kind of, for, fa- for casual fans or not well-informed fans to like latch onto and be like, that guy is my guy. I think Guadagnini is that guy. He's got personality. I think people have already realized that. He's funny. Like he, I think he's going to be the star of this MX2 class from a fan perspective and from a, just general, like, he's going to be the personality of the MX2 class, I think. I think the MX2 class is much better off having him in it right now. I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he's the closest to an American rider we have in Europe. Do you agree? Well, in, in MX2. Yeah, he, t- he ticks those boxes. You know, like you say, he's got a personality. Social media stories are funny. You know, he, he understands about engagement. He understands about, like, including his fans. And he's... And he's and the other thing as well, he's he's, he's just an, just a, a very humble, nice person. How can you not like him? So he ticks all those boxes. And I think he's got a massive, massive future. No, I um no, I think I think this is I think this is good for the MX2 class to have him up the front and doing as well as he is. I really do, I really do believe that. So credit to him, I think. And also credit to Red Bull KTM for seeing this and signing him because that's obviously a hot topic at the moment um, as well. Fernandez obviously crashed first lap of the second moto. 
did well, to be honest, to come through the field to where he did. I thought that he was going to throw it away again. Or I didn't think that, but that was my uh, worry. That was what I was watching out for. I thought that maybe he would get a bit too hot-headed, try some moves that weren't there, lose even more points. But I feel like that, that ride maybe convinced me a little more that he actually is the real deal and he can maybe be a threat for this title. Yeah, I agree. In another, another good performance. Um, and, and at the end of the day, he's five points down on, on Guadagini. You know, going into round, round four. It's not a bad place to be. Four points off the uh, four points off from leading the championship. Uh, Beaton was fast, but still struggling a little bit with just pace for the entire motos after his crash in uh, Matley last week. So the weekend off will probably do him wonders. And I've, obviously, the 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 kicker here for a lot of guys is I just looked last year after three rounds, Beaton was third in the championship behind Viao and Gertz. So if like. If this was last year and Vial and Gertz were having similar problems, Beaton would be leading championship right now. But like obviously different years, like you say the same thing, like Yeah. Like if this if this had just happened last year, Ben could have been the MX2 world champion. Olsen could have been MX well, Olsen had his own issues, but no, I think, yeah, like just I guess not much to taking, say other than taking that's what your happens. chances. I think that's what it, it comes down to at the moment. Is the um uh, Gertz seemed to have bounced back a little bit which was good to see. Well, the most interesting thing is going to be what he does in Oss. Because I would expect him to win there. I really do. So just interesting to see what he... Uh... Really? You, given that, you know, the knee's okay now, but he's just sort of working on... Well, I don't think the knee's okay now, but he went 4-5. Four, four, so, like, I think he can win in the sand. I don't see why not, really. Like, he's clearly capable of being at the front. It's not like he's riding around in 13th. And the weekend off should do, should do good things for him. So we shall see. We shall see. Um, 11th overall, Andrea Adamo, he was impressive. And actually, so was Kade Wolf in 9th overall. Adamo is just very quiet. No one's really going to talk about him. No one's really going to notice. But, you know, it's there. He's performing, hey? I think you could say that. I think uh, he's definitely... There were people out there who thought he should be in EMX 250 and Kevin Hawkmo should be in MX2. But he's, he's shutting those people up, I must say. Yeah, I'm, I've been super impressive in this year. Like he's riding way above his, you know. I, I think he's punching a little bit above, and I'm not being disrespectful to him. I just expected him to come in and, and be around. You know, like I didn't expect him to come in and, and be pushing for the top ten. I, I, I didn't see that. Conrad had a so-so day again. Just it's not really there at the moment, I guess. Um, but we're going into the sand, and that's where he's stronger as well. So maybe the weekend off the sand, like. Maybe that's for a combination that sees him at least get closer to his potential when we get back to racing. You would hope. I think that actually the four-week stretch is going to be big for Conrad because if he can get on a little bit of a run, and I don't even really mean results-wise, I just mean positivity-wise. Like If he can get on a positive string of momentum, then I feel like that could serve him well moving forward. And he can do that because there's three out of four sand tracks and he's good in the sand. So that would be the hope if you're a Conrad fan, I would think. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, Lewis, has there been any news on the calendar, uh, any changes on calendar uh, when you were there the weekend? What a swift change from MX2. <laughs> well, no, I was just curious because obviously I'm, I'm just looking at this calendar and how it's going to play out. You're saying like the next three or four are sand. I'm just looking forward to, you know, like what tracks suit, suit people. And, and I noticed that with the calendar at the moment, it's ending in, in Indonesia. That's like 
realistically, that's where the last round is going to be. No one thinks Indonesia is going to happen, but obviously it's still on the calendar, so for now it is. No one's really said anything about Argentina. Strong rumour in the pits is that Finland's going to be cancelled and maybe replaced with a doubleheader at Latvia. But then people have told me that that rumour is rubbish, but then every single team is like talking about it. So if it is a dud rumour, then it's a dud rumour that's spread like wildfire. Someone told me, I don't believe it, but someone told me on Sunday that Lockett was in danger of being cancelled, but I don't believe that for a second. So don't act like I didn't even say that because it's... Ignore that, basically. That's, I'm sure that's not the case. But so no, Finland is kind of the... Finland is the hot one at the moment that everyone's kind of watching. So there is quite... You know, depending on what tracks are going to be there, this is going to play into some riders' hands more than others. And you've got to think that Van Moosdijk is going to take advantage of the next three or four rounds anyway. I think, the, I think the next three or four rounds... Well, the three, next three or four rounds are big because after we're done with... The, when we get to the next weekend off, we're going to be seven rounds in at that point and that's basically halfway, um, especially if we get a couple more com, uh, cancellations. So yeah. this is really the time to shit or get off a pot. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get that one from? It's a saying. This is a time to shit or get off the pot. Yeah, it's a saying. Wow. Like, where, who told you that one? Your granddad? No, it's just around, I think. Oh, okay. Shit, Kevin Hawkmo was wild card in MX2. Uh, did a lot better than his results show. Had the fourth fastest lap time in the second moto, I think, and had some of the fastest sector times. Like, he was more impressive than his results will make it seem, but his results just let him down, and that kind of is a bit of a trend through his MX2 career so far, but... Hey-ho, it is what it is. He'll go back to MX250 duty for us. And yeah, apart from that, let's do this about MX2 before we go on to Leah Ask Vice Anything. Rank your MX2 favourites in order of uh, how likely it is you think they'll win the title. Like for me, I would go Renault, Vial, Renault, Vial, Gertz, Guadagnini, Mostike, and I think that would be my five. Uh, what would you say? I am going to go with... Uh, just because it'll be a, an amazing fairy tale story, I'm going to go Guadagini, Renault, Vial, and I'm going to go Fernandez van Moosdijk. I think... I'm not even going to put Gertz in there. Oh, well, I had him third on mine, so... Yeah, I, and, and I don't know why. I just, I don't know. I don't know why. Um, I don't know whether it was because I watched him in Lommel a couple of times last year where he kind of just had a few crashes. But I don't know. Something's not quite right there. Oh, Liat, ask Vice anything time? Let's do it. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new, the 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet with 360 turbine technology, and it comes with three bulletproof velocity goggles as well. Liat has you covered with everything, quite simply. Uh, shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on liat.com. And Liat knee braces, they do knee braces as well, which are quite popular amongst uh, riders of all levels. So I'd recommend checking those out at liat.com as well. 
uh, when you head there to see the extensive range of products that Liat offer. So this is Liat Ask Vice Anything. Many questions again this week. I'm really uh, quite impressed by the sheer volume of questions. So sorry if yours isn't involved, but there is a lot. For, like, it's not like we're leaving out two. We're leaving out many. Question one. At Calvin Vlanderin, you may have heard of him. I need lessons from James on how to take a whole shot. Please, can he explain with detail how to start? Well, Calvin, obviously, uh, I would love to talk about my secrets here. However, I am myself contended in the, uh, the adult C1 at Corsham Club Championship. So C1? Well, actually, it's adult C1. Uh, it's combined with Vets 45 plus and Vets 35 plus. So I'm in the vet, I'm in the, uh, uh, so there's three lots of people in, in one group, uh, some very fast riders. So, uh, if I start talking about my whole shots, then they're all going to just be listening to this podcast and, um, you know, just taking my advice. But what I would do is first things first, keep a couple of signed shirts, find out who the starter is at every race, get them a bottle of whiskey, a signed shirt. That's the best place to start. That's well, what, what are you going to ask him to do for you? Well, just uh, give me a little little wink. And, uh, well, how are, the, the riders are focusing on the gates. How the hell are they going to see someone winking? Don't look at the gate, look at the starter. Oh, yeah, That's but then by the time he's winked, the gate would have dropped and then you've run out of time. Nah, it's like winking. You have a little code. So it's like a wink and then it's like, right, okay, that one wink is two seconds. Two winks is like four seconds. You just count. And then just let the clutch go. So it's, don't worry about start technique. Don't worry about whole shot desi- devices or anything like that. Bottle of whiskey and a signed shirt. Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. Next. I feel like Calvin isn't going to use that advice, but unfortunately you've let him down on this occasion. But that's okay. I don't think I have. Now, Calvin, if we're talking about string starts, where is basically the elastic, which you pull across, then inside gate all day long. No. No, not at all. You go, you go middle next to the That's elastic what I mean. release. Exactly, inside. There's two, two positions, either side of the elastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. You've got to go next to the elastic and you've got to get a bit of red and white tape and tie it around the elastic to make it easier for your eyes to see when the elastic yeah, moves. Physics. Yeah, yeah, but when you say inside, that means inside gate. What you mean is inside of the box yeah. if it's elastic. But I don't think they're using elastic in MXGP anytime soon. At SammyB307, who's more dangerous with momentum? Jeffrey Hurlings, Tim Geyser, Roman Fevre, or Antonio Caroli? Uh, I don't know, because sometimes when Jeffrey Hurlings has momentum, it can go uh, either way. I think, for me, Antonio Caroli would be the one to fear, because he's got a consistency. If he can keep the momentum up, then he knows how to win championships. I'm not saying that the others don't, but he's done 10, well, 9. This would be his 10th. So um, for me, uh, Antonio all day long. What about you, Liz? I think Hurlings, because once Hurlings knows, he, once Hurlings is beating someone or is beating everyone and is destroying everyone, and then he knows that, I think there's nothing that can stop him because he, he knows in himself that he can destroy everyone. So why, bless, okay, I will go out there and destroy everyone. But the interesting one would be Fevra, because I don't know what Fevra's like with momentum because he hasn't been in a position like this for many years. So maybe if Fevra can really start to string results together like he is doing and believes that he can win every single time, maybe he does become more of a threat and more dangerous. But we will see. 
at official Joseph K, apart from COVID, is there any other reason why it has gone to a one-day racing format? Uh, no, just COVID, because um, there's a lot of back-to-back GPs. Traditionally, we would only ever have three GPs back-to-back, whereas like we've got four coming up, and then we've got even more than that in October. So they've made it one day so that the teams have an extra day to get their stuff in line and rest and all of that stuff. So yeah, that's the only reason. Nothing else to it. No other grand plan. No other conspiracy theory. That is literally just it. And the teams aren't keen on it either. They want to be riding over the two days, don't they? Well, the riders want one day, so it depends if you count the riders as the teams or not. Yeah. At Braden underscore 212, with Sewer resigning, who does Yamaha move when... With Sewer resigning... Resigning? <laughs> with Sewer resigning, <laughs> who like does Yamaha move when Renault moves up? We did actually talk about Sewer's deal. Yeah, uh, two, was it an extra two years? Yeah, uh, it makes sense because who were, who were Yamaha going to get that's better than Sewer and where was Sewer going to go that was better than Yamaha? Like, there's no other real... They're kind of made for each other. So. Yeah, it's a win-win. Like, there's no real other, other realistic option out there for either party. So, um, But when Renault moves up, I don't think Renault is that... Unless Renault becomes unbelievable, I don't think he's like a slam dunk. Yamaha have to find room for him on the 450 factory team. I wouldn't say that at all. Yeah, not at all, I'd say. I don't think anyone should be worried about Renault or Renault's coming. Like, I don't think that's the case at all right now. And Renault's still quite young as well, so... Yeah, I, th- I think well, that... Actually, I don't think he's that young. But. I think the factory team, the current Yamaha factory team, I think is going to stay the same for a couple of years. I can't see that changing. Because um, they seem to have... They, they've obviously known Coldenoff for a long time. They all get on really well. Dutch as well. Louis Dutch. Um, you know, they've they got a real good family feel there. They're really, really impressed with Ben. Love his attitude you know, how nice he is in how hard he works and just gets on with his job. They're, they're, you know, they really, really like Ben. And obviously they really like Jeremy. And, you know, Jeremy's, you know, like what was, was it, what we said, MXGP, twice vice champion. So who, who could they bring in? They've got one for the future. They've got, um, and two possible title contenders. I think that's, that team's going to stay the same. I can see it being the same for the, for the next couple of years. At Cal Crossland 26, uh, biggest underdog in MX2. Underdog is hard, but like you can't really have Guadagnini now because he's a GP winner. So you've got to think a bit harder than that. Fernandez, easy, isn't it? Yeah, but no, because he's had the red plate. I don't think he's an underdog anymore. He would have oh, been before okay. Russia. I guess, yeah, I was going to say before Russia, definitely biggest underdog. I, I guess roll out Benestant with the, the win at the weekend as well. And the EMX 250 champion. Right. Yeah. So we an underdog that's very above the radar. Uh, underdog? Is this underdog for the title? I just think underdog in MX2 in general. I, to help you out, I, I will go... Gunfelder. I will go Hoffer. Not for the title in any way, but just underdog as in he's going to do good in MX2. People aren't going to expect it, but he is always there and he's a fighter. And I guess the same way that you look at Lagenfelder. Yeah. At Dan Evans 525, when do you think Gertz is likely to be back to full form again? Imagine this scenario happened last year, it would have been the Gertz show by now. Uh, yeah, that's basically what I said with Ben and Beaton and people as well. Like this scenario last year, it would have been the Ben show or the Beaton show or whatever. So um, yeah. I would imagine Gertz to be a consistent podium guy from this point on. 
full form, I don't know, but I would bet that he'd be able to win from Osson. I think he, I don't know if that means he's full form, but I bet he will be a contender for wins from round four onwards. Hans Bremer, the track disappointed a bit, in my opinion. I was there with the MXON and it seemed like there were more opportunities, lines, passing moves back then. Could be wrong, but just a feeling. I don't really remember the nations as far as like what the racing was like and whether it was a bit one-lined and tough to pass. I just remember, obviously, you just kind of remember that the event was amazing. You don't really focus on specifics like that, do you? No, but the racing was good. Yeah, it wasn't. It was better than at the weekend. I was yeah. surprised, to be fair, that um, I was surprised that like no one really agreed with me on the track out of you and Tom. No, I, I can see what you're saying. I can see what what Carilli was saying. But up to what was it, 2017? The last time they rode there. Uh, seventeen. What for a GP or or the nations? Well, the nations was sixteen. Sixteen. Wasn't it? 16 last yeah. GP was fifteen. Fifteen. I mean, is six years a long time for the bikes to change that much? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I understand Tony's comments, but in in 2015, 2016, people were loving the track. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I agree, but I, you know, I cannot not agree with what Tony's saying. It's 100% right. But all I would say is that in 2015, 2016, I didn't hear, hear any, anybody sort of not happy with the track. Oh, actually, wasn't 2015 an absolute mudder because we had it just pissed down for all day in I the morning can you remember I've got it on yeah. video actually yeah but we were talking about this at the weekend because yeah it was a mudder but for some reason I don't remember it raining oh no I don't it remember was getting raining. wet I don't I've remember it videos. getting wet oh. we were both in pit lane and literally as the riders were coming past pit lane it was just slosh just like water coming down I, I don't think it was crazy I don't know if it was that bad I'll send you the videos later it was bad at 99 underscore W Leaford, uh, thoughts on tough blocks on the inside line of corners during practice qualifying to push riders what riders wider to create more lines for the races. I yeah, nice idea. It works. Riders like it when you do that, but you can't. They can't do it with a current format because you've got uh, what 15 minutes of free practice and then you're immediately into time. So you just can't do it. Like it's just not. It's not feasible with a current format because a there's no time for someone to go out there and move the hay bales because the sessions roll over immediately. And B, that free practice is now more important because it is literally 15 minutes to figure out the track and the conditions, and then you immediately have to go as fast as you possibly can. So, yeah, nice idea in a two-day format, but not so it wouldn't really work with a current one-day situation. Yeah, agree. Ash Sfixter, 420. Is it even realistic to win Did an MX2? Did you just say Sfixter? Sfixter. Sfixter. Schwickster 420, is it even realistic to win an MX2 title if you are not on a Red Bull KTM? They've won every title since 2008, except 2015. In years where their number one guy is out, someone else always stays up. With number 28 out, the championship is wide open, and yet the red plate is still on a KTM. If, of course it's possible. Of course it's possible. But then... Is it? Is it? Because it doesn't really happen. <laughs> Yeah, you, you could say it's possible. It's possible, possibly no, happened like, once. In... No, because Gertz, Gertz could have won the title last year and he, only, he didn't do it because of his own mistakes. It wasn't because he wasn't on a Red Bull KTM. No. It, so it, I guess it just comes down to Red Bull KTM get the best riders. But then Tom Vial wasn't the best rider before he went there. So maybe that also 
has, plays into it. Yeah, maybe that also works in mysterious ways. I don't know. Very like you dig, you start to dig into that one, and you get very bloody confused. At Phil, oh no, not even no, an app. Drunken underscore people. Yeah, I was going to do that one last. I was just going to boot, but we'll do that. At drun, drunken underscore people, will France pick Fevre or Masquin for their MXON team? The other two will be at Vial and Ferrandist, right? There's still an ongoing debate in there between Muskin and the uh, French Federation. Oh, not even that. Vial is, an, Vial is questionable because obviously he didn't race in 2019 because of the Red Bull situation on the hat. Oh, yeah. So you can't slam dunk Vial being there. Uh, Ferrandis is questionable because they don't really like taking riders who are racing in America to the nations, unless it's in America. So he's questionable. And Muskin's questionable because that's just an ongoing thing for years and years and years between him and the French Federation. So I would say right now, the only thing, the only person you can 100% slam dunk confirm on the French team is Fevre. Like, I don't think there's anyone else who is an automatic, yeah, he'll be on it. Like, you'd think Vial and you'd think Ferrandis. Can you imagine if Vial wins a world title and Ferrandis wins the 450s in America and neither of them are on the French team? They'll be uproar. But yeah. the French seem to find a way. Always do. Phil G, uh, three rounds in, biggest surprise and most underwhelming in both classes. Biggest surprise and most underwhelming. Okay, I'll start with MX2. I hate to say it, but Comrade, Isaac Gifting, and uh, Harrop is my most disappointing. Wow, you only had to name one, but Mr. Negative over here decided to name oh, half the field. Sorry, I thought we were doing, top, I thought we were doing three. Mr. Negative. Surprise? And you didn't do MXGP either. Just yeah, I was going to do MX2 first. Um, surprise. Uh, I have said that Fernandez, Renault, in, in Guadagini right away through this year are, are going to be good. And they've, uh, they've done that. Uh, surprise wise, I think I'll probably say Fernandez because I expected him to do. Better on the uh, the on the on the Honda, but I I've got to be honest. Um, yeah, leading the championship after two rounds and only being five points off the off off a of Guadagini at the moment. I think Fernandez. I've got to be honest. Uh, MX two. What about you? Um, underwhelming. I uh, yeah, Harrop. I think is a good one. Um, yeah, I think Harrop is a good one. Because we expect more from Harrop now, don't we? After yeah, Harrop's podium in last year, and he's capable of being in that top five, top seven. Surprise! Uh, I will go Lagenfelder. I think I like Guadagnini is a surprise that he's won a GP. But if you told me that if you told me in January that Guadagnini would win one of the first three GPs, okay, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be like no. Surely yeah. not. I'd, I'd accept it. I wouldn't tell you you're crazy. So, but um, Lagenfeld has been really solid and I think actually should be looked at by other teams for 2022. Well, I, I, I got to agree with you. It was between him and, him and Fernandez for me. And the reason being is because of the length of time he was out last year. And that was a long Who? time off Lagenfelder. Oh, yeah. And, and that's a long time not to race. He must have had a year out, mustn't he? What? Uh, no, September. Was same, that when he got injured? September. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a long old time. It's a long old time, September to June. Uh, MXGP. 
okay, MXGP. Uh, okay, disappointment would be uh, Monticelli. Uh, harsh, but true. Um, biggest surprise, uh, I think it's Lupino. Like, I just didn't see him doing what he's done this year. I mean, he's ninth in the championship. Yeah, but it's, it has slowed down a little bit now. But it, has, it has become a bit more normal, I would say. But no, still, still uh, relevant. I will go underwhelming. I will go Tonus. And surprise, I will go Usland. 13th in the first motor at Majora really surprised me. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I thought you were going to go Strybos. Oh, Strybos is good. Yeah, but he's, he's been really good this year. Also, candidate for a surprise would be Van Horbeek being top 10 in the championship on a beater. Yeah, yeah, true. Take that one. Yeah. At Mitchell Meadows, do you think the MXGP series would ever go back to Lerop? No, I don't, but they have started riding there again. So, really? Well, F&H trained there the other day. Ooh, so, never news. say never. When we were in, when, I, when I was in Belgium in April, driving to a track, I drove past Lerop and I was surprised how close to the motorway it was. I went to Lerop in, 20, in 2004 as an eight-year-old for the Motocross of Nations. And obviously, I don't really remember much from that, like, especially like the logistics of it. But I was quite, like, I, drove, I was just driving along the motorway and I was like, that's, wait, oh, that's Lerop. And I was like, well, hang on. How are they having so many troubles with noise when it's literally next to a motorway? But that is the way of the world. I love Lerop. I, I think it's 2012 I was there last. 2011, 2012. Such a great track. Uh, 2012, you were there. Maybe 2013. It might have been 13. No, I think it was 13. Yeah, it was 13, you were there. When Simpson won. Yeah, 13. Sammy B307, does Max secure a better ride for next year? If so, where at? Um, his contract is up. Very Talks are going so. on. Yeah, normal silly season stuff, really. Uh, there is a new episode of the Anstey in America podcast out now on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, same mxwise.com feed. Uh, he's very honest in that. It's a very raw Max Anstey. So, uh, yeah, uh, give that a listen. Why don't you? Um, how is Max? Because it was not a great weekend. Did anything stay together on the bike? I haven't actually spoken to him, to be honest. But that is Liat. Ask Vice anything. Uh, thanks to Liat for bringing you that segment and bringing the, getting the fans involved in the show. Uh, known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet with 360 turbine technology that comes with free bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on liat.com. And yeah, check out, check out the knee braces while you're there. So, from here, we go... Where do we go? Advert or something let's, else? Let's do an advert. Uh, okay, we'll do an advert. And then so what that, we'll do is we'll come straight back and straight into the game. Yep, let's do that. Right, so this has been part two of episode 75 of VMX Vice Show. BMX Fly Show, as always, is brought to you by Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, Armour Nutrition, and Blenzel Oils. 
And part two as a whole was presented by Technical Touch with an air oil separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world. The KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. You too can experience the best in suspension, like Jeremy Sue and Ben Watson, and close to home as well. Visit technical-touch.com slash KYB hyphen authorized with a Z hyphen dealer to find an authorized KYB by Technical Touch dealer in your country. Take your ride to the next level. Uh, if you're wondering, if you're from Belgium and uh, you're listening to this, then there is obviously is Technical Touch. Uh, in the Netherlands, there's VHM. In There's parts Europe and Germany. So yeah, there's a lot everywhere in the world. Everywhere in the world. So that has been part two of episode 75 of the MX Vice Show. We'll be back momentarily with some games, some laughs, some stories from the weekend, and more. See you in a minute. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, LIAC continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free LIAC bulletproof velocity goggles, LIAC has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2020 two-stroke world championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label racing caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. Instagram. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to the uh, final part of the MX Vice Show, episode number 75. Uh, we've wrapped up MXGP, we've wrapped up MX2, we've done the Liat Ask Vice Anything segment, so now uh, we've got some some lighter lighter material for you to finish things off. Very long, much longer podcast nowadays, but that's what happens when races goes on, go, go on even. Uh, part three of the MX Vice Show is presented by Prox Performance Parts. Prox Performance Parts supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox Parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Once again, if you're not factory and you want to be factory, get Prox. That's exactly what Sean Simpson's done. That's exactly what JM Racing's done. That's exactly what Honda SR have done. That's exactly what F and H have done. It's really quite simple. Any bike, any year, any size engine, there are prox parts for you. So uh, yeah, head to pro-x.com to learn some more. Let's do. See, I thought that Tom might be here for armor. You smart over the birth. So I've got some. So I've I've done it because you know last week we were struggling with like the format of it with two people. Yeah. I made it so I had three questions for each of you. Okay. Different questions, but then like just a bit of a shootout. 
So do you just want to take all six? Let's do all six. <laughs> Let's do it. And <laughs> <laughs> never shied away from a challenge. <laughs> I don't really know what else to do. Because <laughs> otherwise I only give you three. Yeah. Do, I'll do all six. It's all good. Okay, they're only little ones, so... Armour is an action and adventure lifestyle-driven brand founded by action sports industry veterans. Armour recognized a void in the marketplace and created a complete line of nutritional supplements formulated especially to help athletes and enthusiasts of all levels realize their maximum potential. Armour's products were developed and tested in real-world conditions by an all-star team of athlete owners that includes Jeremy McGrath, Chad Reed, and Nick Way. Armour Sport is now available in Europe and we will share a link with the show this week, so just check our social media channels to get your armor in Europe. Leave nothing on the table. Choose armor. So, James, normally it's six points. You need four to win. This time it's six questions. You need four correct to win. Okay. Bear in mind that three of these were meant to be for Tom and three of these were meant to be for you. So, like, they're quite, like, they're, they're done in pairs. But anyway. Okay, okay, that's fine. Because I was trying to make it fair so that like, there wouldn't be a thing of, well, those questions were harder than James's or those questions were harder than Tom's, you know? Question one. What year did Josh Coppins win his final Grand Prix? Uh, um, um, uh, I want to say... 2005? Nine. <laughs> so quite far off. Shit. Um, he actually only won his first GP in 2004, so... Oh, damn it. Name the two winners, MXGP and MX2, the last time that there was a GP at Majora. The two GP winners at Majora. Uh, hmm. I'm going to go with... The last two GPs. Oh, was there different motor winners or just one no, motor winner? G- oh, I just want GP winners. Oh, okay. So, uh, Caroli. And um, Caroli and Fever. Uh Okay, strange combination. Um, <laughs> uh, MXGP was Roman Fever. Oh. And MX2 was Tim Geyser. Oh, I didn't know what MX2. I said... What? G- no, I said... you. <laughs> Oh, for God's sake. I said, Why did you say you, name you, who won MXGP and what? MX2? I, I said name, the, I name thought... the two winners, MXGP and MX2. You did not say classes. that. I said name the two winners, MXGP and you MX2. You did not. Anyway, that's, Neil Poir, once again. That's shit. Question three. Who is leading the 2021 manufacturer standings in MXGP? Hmm. I'm going to go... Uh, KTM. Did you just look that up? No, I didn't look at it. I just literally thought Hurlins, Prado, and Caroli are all doing quite well, and Yamaha is quite far behind. Okay, well, those were your questions that you would have had. Did I get so that right? Got, yeah. You would have got one point if, if... Now, we'll move on to the questions that Tom would have had. Should be one and a half, because technically, no. you got what a question. Year did Jonathan Barragan win his final Grand Prix? Oh, fuck's sake. No one cares. Well, this would have been a question for Tom, so you wouldn't have had to deal with this. Oh, the last time he won. Yes. Uh, right, okay. When did he sign for Steve's team? That was in 
2000 in, was that 14? And actually, that was, that was the last time we, I think that was 15, he rode for Steve. So I'm going to say Barragan won the last time in 12, 2012. The answer is 2009 as well. Piss. You know what's funny, though, when looking up the answers, when looking into this? You think of Barragan as being a solid GP winner, don't you? He only won GPs. In, his first GP win was in 2008, and his last was in 2009. Well, I was going to say, I, I've never seen him as a, a solid GP winner. Well, to be fair, I don't think you see him at all, because you seem to forget he exists. Right, let's try this again. Name the two winners, or should I say the two overall winners, MXGP and MX2, the last time that there was a GP in Finland. Better. Uh, I ain't fucking know. I didn't even know when the last time they ran in Finland. <laughs> okay. Fuck's sake. Um, last time they ran in Finland. When, when, what year was the last time they ran in Finland? Can well, I the idea is I don't tell you the year to make it easier, or harder even. <laughs> well, I don't know whether we're talking 90s or 2000. <laughs> Have a guess. <laughs> <laughs> I got a fucking clue. Um, okay, I'm going to go... Uh, I am going to go... Uh, Tommy Searle and Antonio Crowley. Antonio Crowley was correct. But it was Jeffrey Hurlings in MX2. Uh. 2014, Hyvinka. Oh, okay. Question three. Who is leading the 2021 manufacturer standings in MX2? Who is leading MX2? Right, okay, let me think about this one. Let you think about this one or Google it? No, Honda's got one. Uh, Kawasaki doing kind of well, but not as good as Renault and... Who's the one Renault Gertz and Oh, I'm gonna go KTM of Well, that's a hard one, this one. Uh okay, I'm gonna go KTM because Viao did get uh two motor wins. KTM? That's correct. Woohoo! So that's that's <laughs> out of two points. That's two points out of six. Yes! Um so you got one question right from your questions and one question right from Tom's questions. Yeah. The common sense ones I got right. Yeah, they may be too easy. Uh, But I was struggling to make it so that the questions evenly matched up. Which was a problem. Yeah. Moving swiftly on. Okay. Some even strokes fantasy talk. Oh, First of all, James. Oh, I performed this week. First first of all, James, as for even strokes manager, can you confirm to me that the prizes were sent out? Uh, no, they were not. I've just found out today that the gift cards have not been sent, so I am going to immediately rectify that issue. Okay. And um, Megan, my colleague, will be sending out the gift vouchers. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, how did you do this week? Uh, very well, thank you, uh, Lewis. I decided to go with Herlin's Monticelli, which was obviously not great. Jimmy Clochet as a as a little uh, added bonus with whatever money I'd left. And I was screaming for Jimmy, and he performed. How many points was that then? Uh, 54, I believe. 
Well, what position was Which that? Which wasn't bad. I think it gave me like 109, something like that. 109. 109th, you mean? Yeah, something like that. 109. Something That's like. not good, is it? Oh, it's better than 312, like I usually am. Well, you weren't 109th because I can't see you there. All right, hold on. I'll tell you now. Just calm, How many points did you say? Just calm it down. 54. Oh, Lewis sucks. There it is. 97th. 97th. Even better, look. 54 points. Well, you beat me. What did you get? Uh, 193rd. 193rd? 46 points. Oh, wow. So I've I can't tell back. you who I had. I can't remember. So overall now, uh, and there was more people that entered this round, which was pleasing to see. Overall, I've gone from 4th to 6th, so I'm still in there. 4th to 6th. 11 points down on the leader, who is now Danielle 107. Uh, she wasn't leading. She wasn't actually leading before round three, but she won. No, she didn't win round three. I swear I saw her up there, though. I am just trying to find mine. I'm 132nd uh, overall. So I've moved up uh, 200 spots, I think. Well, look at you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm on it now. That's good. That's yeah, it just took me a couple of rounds to warm up. Speaking of you being on it, Blenzel Performance of the Week predicted. Uh, I believe I literally cashed in on that one. Yeah, you said Guadagnini to win the overall, didn't you? I did, yep. That's quite impressive from you. Uh, that is, you. not only did you win Blenzel Performance of the Week predicted, you were the Blenzel Performance I, of the Week. I, I, to be honest, I have been expecting this because my uh, predictions have been pretty good. I, I only missed out one on... Uh, AC and I've been talking about or talking up Renault this year as well and there's do you know what it doesn't feel I don't feel like I'm a lone voice or like a lone wolf anymore their birth mania as was last week's winning team uh, there's a lot of people been messaging me and, and saying that I have been championing these riders I've been yeah. calling this yeah you yeah you saying that Renault's going to win a GP this year isn't like that isn't you calling him winning at Matterley. Are you trying to say that the people that listen to this podcast are wrong? No, but you say... Are <laughs> you trying to say that the people listening listen to this podcast are wrong and you are right? You saying... No, but because you say the people... You saying Renault's going to win a GP this year, that isn't some crazy prediction. He won a GP last year. That's kind I'm of just saying, these are the people that support us. These are the people that we have sponsors for and now you're going to belittle them. Okay. I'd, I'd, I would just quit while you're ahead. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Castor Oil has been a secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2022-stroke world championship using Blenzel, and co-hosts like James Burfield, nothing outlubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of castor-based two-stroke oil. From the original Green Label Racing Castor to the 455 Ultra or the Versatile Gold Label. <laughs> or the Versatile Gold Label. Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop for Blenzel's full line, full line of two-stroke or four-stroke <laughs> racing lubricants, visit blenzel.com and follow at Blenzel on Instagram. Schlop. I um, really struggled with my vowels. I don't know what the last few weeks you're reading these... It's, it, you know what's funny, though? It's reading because the Planet Motor one, I've got one, but I did it off the top of my head like I made a new one off the top of my head just because I felt like I... And that was fine. It's reading. For some reason, I can't read and talk. I, I, talk, I think I talk too fast for my brain to read. 
Yeah. Or I read, I read faster than my brain talks or something. I don't know. I'll work on that. But anyway, you got it. So you got a point for Guadagnini's overall win. Uh, I, I have no idea what I predicted. I meant to look. I literally cannot remember. Uh, it wasn't very good, I don't think. No, I definitely was wrong because I'd remember if I got it right. <laughs> I don't know how Tom, how Tom got on though. No, I can't remember what anyone predicted. The only uh, reason I know, the only reason I know what that you predicted Guadagnini winning was because loads of people tweeted us. About exactly, it. people. The people are talking. But what the hell did you I need say? to listen? I can't remember what I said. If anyone remembers what I said, let me know. I'm not just a crazy old man now, am I? What did I say? I can't remember. But anyway, that is the Blendzel performance of the week predicted. Well, I guess we can do it. There's no GP this weekend, but let's do it for Southwick. Uh, yeah, let's do it for Southwick because it's now one near, one all co-host host. Yeah. Right, let's do it for Southwick. What okay. is your Blendzel performance of the week predicted? Well, I am going to go with uh, Max Anstey going 7-5. Okay, I will go. Blenzel Performance of the Week predicted. Blenzel Oils. Um, Blenzel.com. At Blenzel on Instagram. Making waves in the world of motocross. A resurgence of such, one could argue. I will go for... What will I go for? I don't really know, to be honest. You wanted to do Max, didn't you? What do you think Max's going to get? Because he done well, didn't he, to come through from 27th to 11th in um, race two after everything that went on. And Southwick, you've got to feel that if ever there was a track to favour him, it would be that, wouldn't it? I will go... Tomac goes 1-1. Really? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, you can have that because I can't see that happening. <laughs> okay, thanks for letting me have that. That is the Blenzel Performance of the Week predicted. Remember, you can get involved, tweet us with yours, and we will give you a shout-out on a show in future episodes. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Castor Oil has been a secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won a 2020 two-stroke world championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original Green Label Racing Castor to the 455 Ultra, or a versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop for Blenzel's full line of two-stroke and four-stroke racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow at Blenzel, that's B-L-E-N-D-Z-A-L-L on Instagram. Right, can I now ask you something? Uh, sure. Well, now we've got all the, you know, all the professionalism out of the way, uh, as you like to call it. Uh, can you please explain uh, or get people to understand you trying to get into Italy and then back again into the UK because... Well, I was going to ask you if you'd allow me to mention my... Um... Yes, please, please do. Please, please do, because it always puts a smile on my face uh, hearing you getting stopped in um, uh, coming into the country. So, as people know, Italy have a rule at the moment where if you're coming from England, you have to quarantine for five days, which obviously, obviously wasn't going to work for me. So, uh, you have to get a COVID test to go there. You have to, uh, in front, gave us a letter in Italian, which was helpful. I got a letter from the ACU, which is the official governing body in the UK. Got a letter from James um, as my employer, saying, explaining my situation. Um, and then, so I did my COVID test and everything. I did an antigen test. And then I got told, like the day before I flew, that my co by someone unofficial, I got told that my COVID test was wrong and it wouldn't be accepted and I wouldn't be allowed to fly. 
And I was like, huh? Like what? No, huh? Huh? Proper panicking. So after many, many Googling sessions, I couldn't find a clear answer. It was too late to change my COVID test. And yeah, I was like freaking out because I was like, I have to get to Majora. If I can't get on this flight, what am I going to do? The flight was at midday on Friday. So my backup plan was to go to the airport. And if it doesn't work, I was going to drive through the night, Friday night to get to Majora for some Saturday morning. But that was 14 hours. So I didn't really feel like driving 14 hours through the night and then working all weekend because that would have been a disaster. So anyway, got to the airport. The woman actually didn't give a shit. I'm pretty sure James is gone. Are you there, James? No, no, oh. I'm still here just listening to it with a smile on my face. The woman didn't give a shit. So we got to the check-in desk in uh, London to go to Italy. And the, that's, that's where they check your COVID results. We got to the check-in desk and the woman turned, turned around to her supervisor and she went, what do I need to check for Italy? And the supervisor went, is he wearing a mask? And she went, she looked at me, she went, yeah. And he went, that's it, they'll deal with him in Italy. So that was a worry then, because I was like, well, they'll deal with me in Italy. That doesn't, like, can you not just tell me if my COVID test is right? Like, I'd rather know now so I can drive to Majora rather than get to Italy, get told it's wrong. And then I'm literally screwed because I can't, I can't, and then driving to Majora is off the table. So anyway, got to Italy. They didn't actually care at all. They didn't even really ask what I was doing. They didn't try and make me quarantine. They literally did not give a shit. Literally could not have given less of a shit, which I was a fan of. Thank you, Italy. They literally didn't care. Did not care. Could not even explain how little they cared about me, which, you know, is a pattern with people in the world. But hey ho. So what was good? Got into, got to Majora. Uh, had to fly into Venice, which is a four hour drive from Majora because all the flights got cancelled. <laughs> so that also wasn't very helpful because there was, we landed in rush hour as well. So that took five hours. Great, great so far though. So yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I was happy to be there. Got there late Friday night to the hotel. I have to say, I booked an absolute winner with the hotel. That was the one good thing from the weekend. Shocker. I actually did really well because James, you remember the first time we went to Majora? Uh, we were up a mountain. Yeah, we were up a mountain. And then you remember the second time we were in that shitty apartment. On yeah. <laughs> so hotels around Majora aren't exactly at a premium. But I found every year we go to Majora, we will be staying at this hotel. It was amazing. It's cheap. Cheap. Next door to a steakhouse. Amazing Wi-Fi. Literally perfect. So anyway, all was good. Got through the weekend. My, pod, my post-race podcast machine broke, which wasn't ideal. That stressed me out to hell and back. And you were pretty stressed to begin with, weren't you? Yeah, so then I was stressed about the podcast machine and asking, why me? Why me? Um, Pick on Lewis. But anyway, I did podcast. <laughs> and then went, came home. Uh, you had to, I had to get a COVID test at the track to fly home. Cost quite a lot of money, but did that. Happy days. It was a PCR test. Made, made a bit of a mistake getting the COVID test because going in, there was two sides of the table. <laughs> I don't even want to say this publicly. <laughs> oh. You know what? It's best we don't talk about it. So got the COVID test to come home. Happy days. Got the PCR. <laughs> All done. Uh, happy days. Got to the airport. I checked the documents uh, at check-in. Had everything we needed. Happy days. Filled out the online form and clicked, am I exempt from isolating? Yes, I am. I work abroad. That is an exemption. I work abroad weekly. That is an exemption. So I clicked that. Had my letter from the ACU. Had my letter from James. I was like, happy days. If it's wrong, they can tell me it's wrong. 
and I will change it, and that's fine. Whatever. Landed in England, and the woman at the desk chose violence. She woke up and decided that on that day, she would be an utter rude word. Um, (laughs) um, I got to the desk. 20 minutes later, I left the desk. (laughs) I don't really know where to start. She basically interrogated me. Um, She told me that she felt I was lying. And I said, okay, I don't know what more you like. I don't know what more you want from me. But I was like, I'll, I'll happily change my form. If I'm wrong, you tell me. But I, other people are doing this who are in the same position as me. So I just felt this was the right thing to do. To be fair, you do look like someone who would bend the truth. She told me that I was lying. Um, I told her, I offered to change the form. She told me it's too late for that now. You've made your decision, which was great. That didn't scare me at all. Yeah, it's just basically, she. I gave her my passport. She had my passport and everything. She asked me to CID. And I was like, well, you've got my passport. Like, what more do you want? So I got out my driving license. <laughs> she didn't want that. A shocker. That wasn't what she was after. What I find interesting is you need to get, like, to get into the country, you need a passport. So if, if the passport's accepted, like, you can't get into a, into a country with just a driving license. You've got to have a passport. At what point was the passport not good enough? So then she actually wanted... ID to prove that I work abroad. And I was like, that doesn't exist. Like, that's not a thing. So I gave, but then I had a stroke of genius and I gave her my MXGP pass, which she stared at and then told me this is not official documentation. And I was like, I know, but you've literally got my passport. They're like, that is the official, like, that is my official documentation. You've chosen to disregard that. So now here is my unofficial documentation. And then, uh, yeah, so she gave, she stared at that for like two minutes. And then she just put it down on the desk in front of me. I took that as my cue to leave. So I picked it up, said thank you, and walked off. It didn't end there. She put all my little documents were in a slippery fish. And... um, Slippery fish? Yeah. What's a slippery fish? A plastic wallet. Am I the only person who calls it a slippery fish? (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) That's just what I got grown up like in school and everything. It was go and get a slippery fish. So shit on a pot and slippery fish. What fucking school did you go to? <laughs> but in school, it was like, oh, Lewis, go and put your work in a slippery oh fish. God. So now I just call it a slippery fish. So she gave it to me upside down, which I didn't realize. So I picked it up and all of my documents fell out onto the floor at the passport control. So then I was literally on my knees scrambling to pick up my papers like a broken man. And all I wanted to do was come home. That's all I wanted. And actually, I missed out a point, an important point. So I said to her, I was like, yeah, I travel. I have to leave the country. Like, I can't quarantine for 10 days. I've got to leave the country soon for another event. Like, I'm away every weekend now for events. And she was like, well, what event are you here for? And I was like, no, I'm English. Like, I'm home now. I've just come from an event in Italy. I'm home now. Then I will go to another event. And she was like, yes, but when is your English event? And I was like, no, I'm home now. This is home. Lewis, home, the official documentation, the passport, that says this. Don't talk to me, look at the passport. That says I'm English. Like, I'm here now. Yeah, so she, she was convinced that I'd come from it. I don't know if she thinks I'm Italian. So yeah, um, she just wasn't, she wasn't happy with anything I said. I got through eventually. I imagine I'm now on some sort of list and I can't wait to leave the country again because I'm sure it will go much worse now that... I'd 100% put you on a list. I don't deserve this. You, you missed out the best bit was that two of your colleagues were just stood the other side laughing at you and they spent yeah. literally four seconds going through. My two colleagues went also, also went up to passport control with exact... I prepared their documents. So I gave them exactly what I had. 
and they breezed through in, I'm not even shitting you, under two seconds. 20 minutes I was stood there getting interrogated to come home. I was in England, and all I wanted to do was walk from one side of a podium to the other in England, my home country, but this woman decided to stop me and basically tell me that I'm, basically, I think she was one minute away from taking away my British citizenship. That would be funny. And then I don't know what I'd be doing. Like, would I just be, like, unlisted? Well, you'd be one of those people like Tom Hanks was, like, living in the terminal. So you'd literally, you know, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have even, even a country to go to. You'd just be, like, living in the, the airport terminal. And every time, like, we passed you, we could, like, drop off little packages for you and stuff. Like, food packages. I, just, I feel like I don't deserve this. I feel like I'm quite a nice man. I'm an I don't know. Can, I'm an upstanding member of the community. You can get a bit arsey. I can get you? a bit arsey. Get a bit arsey. You um, think you're a little bit funny, don't you? So maybe you tried, tried one of the Lewis jokes on her. No, I didn't. Sarcastic. I, knew I, I was all business. Except for when she wanted to tell, she asked me what event I'd come to, from Italy to. And then I was like, no, I'm English. Like, literally. And also when I gave her my driving license, that was a bit sarcastic, but also I didn't know what else she wanted from me because it was literally the only other ID I had on me. <laughs> so I didn't re- I knew, I kind of knew she didn't want my driving license, but I also had no other ideas of what to give her. <laughs> like literally like, if she's a podcast listener, then I, I hope to never see you again. Uh, I, I actually regret not going now for the weekend just to see that 20 minutes. It was emotional. Because I would just be yelling, he's not from England. It's fake passport. I don't know. I genuinely, I still, but the thing is, like, I don't, I don't actually know what the issue was even now. Like, I was English attempting to enter England. But she Attitude. had such a problem. Attitude. She had such a problem. And I, you know what? I walked up to her. They were, there were three blokes and there was this one woman at the passport control. She waved me over and I was like, oh, you know women don't like you. I was like, the little old lady. I walked up to her and I was like, hello, Doris. Have you played any good games of dominoes lately? She's like, I'll fucking give you Doris. How's Emmerdale? I'm going to give have you, you had... both barrels. It was, five, it was 5 p.m. So I said, have you had your dinner? Have you had happy hour? A little chef? Well, at least you're back. Uh, so what we got? Week off. Everybody can relax. Yeah. Everybody can chill. I'm going to Oss on Tuesday, I think. Uh, I, actually, I haven't told you that. James, I think we're going to Oss on Tuesday. Jackpot. <laughs> So, just glad we had this in-house MXVice meeting. Would that be uh, to record some more Monster Episode 2? Uh, yeah, just a bit of everything, really. Well, it's, it's Oss, Lockett, and Lommel back-to-back-to-back, so I really can't figure out what to do, sort of like, because it's pointless driving to Oss, driving back, flying to Lockett, flying back, driving to Lommel, driving back. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's best to stay out there. But, so I can't figure out whether, like, what event, like, We'll definitely stay out there for a week at some point, but I can't figure out when to, when's best, and like what's best to do. So I'm a bit confused by it all, to be honest. But we're definitely going to us early because we've got some stuff to do on Thursday and Friday before the GP. So, and also going there on Tuesday will allow me plenty of time to try and get into the country. Yeah, because British people are banned from the Netherlands at the moment. So yes. Oh, interesting. That's and it's a full ban. Italy, you have to quarantine for five days. Netherlands. There's literally no way around it. You are just banned. So that's good. That's, that's next on the Lewis Funtime experience. <laughs> this bus sounds great. Yep. Right, cool. Well, good to know that uh, you're back in the country and uh, I'm sure this is going to be the first of many adventures for you this year. Well, you know, I just feel like I'm an upstanding member of the community and I don't need this grief. Well, I wouldn't 
say upstanding. I, I actually try, I salute magpies. I yeah, put, horrible magpies. Yeah, but you've got to salute them. No, you ain't. Give them shit. Yeah, you have. It's, it's bad luck if you don't salute a magpie. So far, you've come out of a fishing wallet and uh, shit on a pot, and now you're going to make magpies. Slippery fish. I'm going to Google slippery fish quickly. Hold on. Please don't. Uh, it's just come up with octopus. Yeah, can we just... <laughs> let, let, let's quickly move on. <laughs> uh, hold on. I'm just going to Google saluting a magpie. Saluting a magpie. Good luck? Question mark? They believe a magpie will never inject any sort of bad luck if a person keeps a bird happy or shows utter respect. People are told that he should. Pe- people are told that he she sh- he. <laughs> people are told that he she should. Sh- <laughs> Bloody hell! This is a tongue twister. People are told that he she should salute or wave at a magpie to show respect. Some also believe that greeting the bird also helps to fend off bad luck. That is why I salute magpies to show them respect and fend off bad luck. Yeah. Anyway, final thoughts, James. Uh, I, 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 just glad there's seven days until the next podcast. Yeah, I almost, uh, I wasn't going to do one next week, but I think we will. Okay. It will be nice to do a podcast where there's not a race, so we can have a general chat rather than be so such a victim to the results. You know, we can have a general discussion rather than. Like breaking down a race. I think that'd be quite nice. Well, you better tell me because um, I thought you were going Tuesday, so you better try and fit me. Oh, in. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That is a good point. No, there will be a podcast. There will be a podcast. Maybe we'll go Wednesday. Okay. Uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, I just want to add that on Even Strokes, there is a new parts finder on there. So you can get all your procs parts for your bike. Four clicks. You just select what make, model, and year, press submit, and all the parts that you need for your bike will come up. There we go. And also a summer clearance on Fox, FXR, Yoko, and Asterisk. That's, thank you for informing us. Ah, no problem. Um, so, what, yeah, so that was your final thoughts. Thanks for your final thoughts. What did you think of the Have a Word segment? Uh, shit. Really? I thought it might be quite fun. Like, yeah. describe the GP in one word. But I was kind of expecting you to not say Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for something a bit more like, like dynamic, you know? It's, I think it needs to be more than one word. What? Like, um, yeah, but You're have just a word asking good... for trouble. I think there is an F1 podcast out there that does free word race review. So basically, you're just copying other people's podcasts now. No, not at all. Well, I would be if we did free words, but we have a word. So what? You, you just went all crazy and just said, all right, we're not going to do free. We're going to change it right up and do one. No, um, I'm, 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 hopefully I'm going to have a bit. Hopefully I'm going to have a free day at the end of this week, so I'm going to sit down and um. A lot's happening at MXI. It's really trying to push forward. A lot going on. Yeah, and more to come. I think people <laughs> need are to figure out hearing that shit. You've been saying that for ages. The no, no, well, we're, we're, fl- we're kind of flowing, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know what you're on about. There's more to come. We've already made some changes, and there's more to come. So what do you want? MX Managers had its changes. Our Instagrams had its introductions of graphics and things. Next on the list is trying to figure out how to do YouTube. But anyway... Uh, that has been episode 75 of the MX Vice Show. As always, we would like to thank Fly Racing, Hitachi KTM fueled by Milwaukee. Use their gear and the Formula Helmet. Liat, you would have seen F&H riders running the gear and boots at Majora. Planet Motor Holidays, a lot of uh, riders head to Spain in the winter to be prepared for the season. Why don't you? PlanetMoto.co, that is. Prox Racing Parts, if you're not factory and you want to be factory, visit Prox, that's pro-x.com. Technical Touch and KYB. Why wouldn't you want factory suspension on your bike? Duh, that's obvious. So 
Find an authorised dealer in your country, even strokes. Support James. MXGP TV, if you want to watch MXGP, then you visit MXGP TV. Simples. Backyard Design UK. Tommy Searle. That's all there is to say about that. Asterix knee braces. Protect your knees. Tim Geyser uses Asterix, so why wouldn't you? Armour Nutrition. Get fired up for the week. Get fired up for the working day. Choose Armour Nutrition. Uh, fire and other products that they do, also available. And blends of oils, really making a push in the world of motocross and, uh, yeah, just a resurgence going on over at blendsall.com. You done, James? Happy? Born happy. Okay, <laughs> I doubt that. Thanks for listening to episode 75 of the MXI Show. We'll be back next week, hopefully with some different bits. Maybe Tom will be back, or maybe he's never coming back again. We'll have to see how he feels. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, James Burfield, for sitting in for the whole show. Thank you, Lewis, for hosting. Thanks to Tom for doing the first part. Thanks to you people for listening. Thanks for visiting MX Vice, mxvice.com as always. We will be back in seven days' time for episode 76. See you next week. Bye-bye. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better, and you can still experience that right now. Planet Moto still have packages available, plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. If you want to hit the tracks like Red Sun as soon as possible, visit planetmoto.co for more information. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2020 two-stroke World Championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label racing caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. Instagram. You are listening to the MX Vice Show.